1: so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is episode 432 for your may 29th 2022 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your sunday afternoons your memorial day weekend wherever you may be man what a fucking night man holy shit Everybody freaking out, man, especially if you're not, if you're in Las Vegas. Everybody was freaking out. As soon as the AEW Double or Nothing Fan Fest got underway, man, MJF and Samoa Joe, which was debunked by Brian Alvarez, Samoa Joe also missed the Fan Fest yesterday, but that was a miscommunication issue between management and Samoa Joe, but MJF just completely no-showed to a point where people said that they saw him in the casino gambling. And then he had a flight booked out, supposedly had a flight booked, out of Las Vegas on a red-eye to Newark, New Jersey. We're going to document everything that happened last night with MJF. Obviously give our opinion about it. Is it a work? Is it a shoot? What do we do with Wardlow if MJF... Doesn't show up tonight. MJF is still in Las Vegas. MJF is still in Las Vegas and will be on tonight's show. He will be in that ring against Wardlow, whether he wants to be in that ring for AEW or not. But let me tell you something right now, man. For all the fucking imbeciles on Twitter, this is nowhere near the same thing as Sasha Banks and Naomi. Give me a break. You guys are so misinformed. So misinformed. So misinformed on the sasha banks and naomi situation when i tell you to believe me when i talk about that situation and everything i've already said i want you to believe me i know more than your check marks on social media whether you want to believe me or not i don't really give a shit i have the info i know what's going on it's not the same thing Speaking of Sasha Banks and Naomi, we got more information. WWE now has taken it further. Wrestle votes even tweeted out this week, early this week, that the situation with Sasha Banks and Naomi will get worse before it gets better. And WWE made that tweet ring true today. Or not today, this week, they suspended Sasha Banks and Naomi. We'll talk about it today. Suspended Sasha Banks and Naomi without pay. So they are not on the active WWE roster right now. They are without pay. And WWE is taking that situation a step further as they try to continue to control the narrative that is obviously not in their favor. Stephanie McMahon. Major news on why Stephanie McMahon walked away. And it all has to do with Thanos himself, Nick Khan. Wants to be the modern-day Thanos. Nick Khan is changing WWE internally. He's changing WWE structurally. And I don't know what he's doing. But one by one, he's taking out every single McMahon family member. Shane, gone. Triple H, gone. Stephanie, gone. Vince should be looking over his shoulder. As Nick Khan comes knocking on his door. I don't know what's going on there, but we will talk about it today on Off The Script, man. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on this Sunday afternoon. We got a lot to get into. Make sure you guys follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. We will be live for Double or Nothing later tonight, man. It's going to be a very busy day. going to be a very busy day, man. I don't even know if I'm going to be alive later. That's how much work I have to do today, man. We got this podcast, which probably is going to go two and a half hours easy. Thinking about doing a Twitter spaces with Jesse, my co-host on Wednesday, talking about Double Nothing predictions for you guys on Twitter, exclusively on Twitter. And then I'll be live maybe with Jesse. I don't know what he's going to be up to later. Maybe with Jesse. If not, I will be live for sure with Double or Nothing and the post show, which will be a five-hour show because there's 13 fucking matches on the show busy busy day man i hope i have enough energy to enjoy my memorial day holiday tomorrow but thank you guys so very much for making off the script one of your prime destinations this weekend this big big important wrestling weekend make sure you guys go check out all the other videos including yesterday afternoon's very rare saturday live stream we covered smackdown and aew rampage which was live on friday night i wasn't able to do it live on friday after the shows. Because I was in Queens doing commentary for House of Glory. So make sure you guys go check out that SmackDown and Rampage post show. Yesterday afternoon, we were live at 1 p.m. It is on the channel. Go check that out. Along with Dynamite and NXT, we don't do that anymore. We did some WW2K22 content on Tuesday, Monday Night Raw. Everything you guys need is on the homepage right now. Thank you guys so very much for all your support. We just blew past 133,000 subscribers on YouTube. Make sure you guys go get your T-shirts, man. We got a new T-shirt right now available on Bonfire.com. That is the dawn of the IWC right there. Brand new off-the-script design. Exclusively available on Bonfire.com. That is the official online store of off-the-scripts. Also, today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Chew. Bluetooth. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout for your free sample. We'll talk about my friends over at Blue Chew. As always, great part of the OTS family. Hit that thumbs up. I only see 567 likes on the live stream right now. Why? We got nearing 2,300 members in the live stream, man. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. There should be 1,000 likes minimum on today's OTS 432 Super Chats are open. You guys are going to get them on in, and you're going to let me know what you think of the MJF situation. Is it a work or is it a shoot? And if it is a complete work, do you believe Tony Khan would actually go out there and do that to the fan base mere hours before tonight's show? If it's a shoot, I don't know, man. Let Let me know what you guys think about it. Is MJF on his way to WWE? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why he would want to do that when Tony Khan is willing to bend over backwards for him. So make sure you guys get those Super Chats in. You guys let me know what you think. Sound off and become an OTS VIP. Hit that join button under the video player that you're watching right now. Hit that join button. Become a VIP right here on OTS. You guys get those emotes and those custom badges next to your name. Just like Jacob S. Who just became a VIP. Welcome to the VIP club, Jacob S. And like Iron Boy 2007. Thank you, Iron Boy. I appreciate you, brother. Become a member of the channel. Become an OTS VIP today. On this Sunday, on this Memorial Day, man. Let's get into the news. We're going to start right at the top. We're going to start off with some minor news. And then we're going to get into the heavy stuff, man. We're going to start off with WWE Money in the Bank. WWE Money in the Bank was supposed to be in Las Vegas. The hub this summer for all things pro wrestling. Money in the Bank was supposed to be in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. But WWE this week moved it to the MGM Grand Arena. Current ticket holders will be issued a refund. Now, why did they move Money in the Bank to MGM Grand Arena? Ticket holders for Money in the Bank... We're notified this week that the event is moving from Allegiant Stadium to a smaller MGM Grand Garden Arena. The MGM Grand is a much smaller and like WWE had Michael Cole say on SmackDown, the much more intimate MGM Grand Garden Arena. Intimate is another word used for hey, we're a bunch of fucking morons who wanted to run a live wrestling show on the 4th of July thinking people thought that we were important enough or we thought that we were bigger than we really are, and now we can't, uh, we're can't. we not able and we can't sell tickets to Money in the Bank, so we now have to force ourselves to move into a smaller venue because we here at WWE are a bunch of fucking idiots. That's what intimate really means, as far as Michael Cole shilling that to the WWE audience. There was no reason given, but it might have to do with tickets not selling fast enough, like WWE had hoped. WrestleTix on Twitter reported that as of May 1st, They had only sold 16,833 tickets to Money in the Bank inside Allegiant Stadium, which holds nearly 50,000 people. Now, that'll be here right around the corner. And uh, if it's only 16,000, roughly 17,000 tickets on May 1st, with the 4th of July looming, it'll be here before you know it. That really isn't a good number for WWE, man. That is less than half. Of the amounts of seats that are able to be filled inside Allegiant Stadium. 65,000 to be exact. 50,000. I'm shortchanging Allegiant Stadium. 65,000 fans are able to fit in that stadium. This was an attempt to make Money in the Bank one of the big four spotlighted shows for WWE this year. SummerSlam, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble. It kind of has been in the eyes of the fans over the last couple of years minus the horrendous booking of Money in the Bank. It hasn't really felt like one of the big four or big five pay-per-views of the year just based on how WWE's booked the Money in the Bank winners and how quick they cash in the briefcases, almost as if WWE doesn't even want to be bothered by having 12 months of storyline just handed to them on a silver platter. That's how fucking lazy that they are. WWE says fans who bought tickets to the show already will have the first opportunity to buy them before anybody else and all fans who have tickets for the Allegiant Stadium show, will receive a refund from Ticketmaster. You know, this is one of the initiatives by Nick Khan, man, who wants to run more stadium shows because he feels like they'll be able to sell more tickets given more seats that are available. Instead of running these small rinky-dink arenas where it's like 10, 12, 13,000 people, he wants to run a stadium that holds forty to 50,000 people, and he wants WWE to have that freedom to sell as many tickets as they want while they close everything off, so it appears to be a bigger deal on television while they make some more revenue on the back end. I get it. I get it. But what I don't understand, and this is a common thing in the world of pro wrestling now. All these major promotions, all these wrestling promoters feel like they have to run a show on a major national holiday. That's the fucking problem. WWE's running a money-in-the-bank pay-per-view that they've botched over the last couple of years. Awful. So I don't know why anybody would take it seriously. WWE's, you know, devaluing of these shows just goes to show you that nobody really gives a shit once they see it happen over and over and over again. WWE's problem, and all these major wrestling... Even AEW's guilty of it. I fucking hate it. I fucking hate it. They want to run on these major holidays. Why would you do that? I was looking at going to Las Vegas. And if I didn't have House of Glory obligations, I would have definitely tried to go to Las Vegas. But the, the, the later it got, the tickets, even, even early on, were ridiculous to get an Airbnb, to rent a car, to buy tickets to the show. If I don't get media, then you got to go and have dinner and lunch and fucking breakfast and drinks and all this stuff, and you want to enjoy yourself. By the end of it, plus the plane tickets, by the end of this shit, it's like a fucking small, uh, it's like a month mortgage for your house just to go to fucking uh, a destination to go enjoy a wrestling show. It is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I hate it. I don't know. I don't really understand why these wrestling promotions think that they can get away with running a, a goddamn pay-per-view, B-level pay-per-view at that, like Money in the Bank on a major national holiday, like Memorial Day on 4th of July. Nobody wants to go see wrestling shows. And nobody wants to be around wrestling geeks during their 4th of July. This is the time. We only get one to enjoy enjoy the summer. To sit down and just relax and let things be. But everybody wants to throw a wrestling show on top of these national holidays. And I don't really like it. Because for the fans' experience, it's terrible. And everybody wants to enjoy their personal days. And also, I'm going to say, if WWE wrote better television, then maybe they'd had... More than 17,000 tickets sold for this event. Who wants to go watch subpar television live when the shows weekly are fucking horrendous? I know I would never pay for something to see it live if it was fucking terrible. I don't know why Nick Khan thinks that WWE is going to be able to sell all these tickets when the majority of the people know their show sucks. If they wrote better television... I don't give a shit what holiday it is. You might have more than 17,000 fucking tickets sold to Money in the Bank. You're right. Better television. You're going to get more people coming out to the shows. That is just common sense. But WWE doesn't operate on common sense. So they moved to the more intimate MGM Grand Garden Arena. <laughs> you know who sold out Las Vegas on a major national holiday? Tony Khan did. Tony Khan did and CM Punk CM Punk even made fun of Money in the Bank with this tweet. He tweeted this, or actually Instagram story. this. He says, with a cover of the WrestleMania 7 main event between Hulk Hogan and Sgt. Slaughter for the WWF Championship, this was moved to the Los Angeles Sports Arena on March 24th, 1991, Another bomb threat by WWE. If you guys don't know the story about this, they had a much larger venue. And the fact that they couldn't sell out the larger venue, they moved to the Los Angeles Sports Arena. And it was cited that WWE claimed that somebody had issued a bomb threat for the show because of the ongoing storyline with Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter because it was... You know, that's very political, heavy storyline. And a bomb threat was called in, according to WWE. So he even mocked that on Instagram. Tony Khan. Tony Khan had a nice little tweet as well about the money in the bank situation. Obviously, TK knows what he's doing on social media, man. TK knows how to ruffle feathers. And it's the one thing I really, really appreciate about Tony Khan on social media. He shared some news on social media in a message posted on Twitter earlier this week. TK recapped his Thursday where he had dinner with UFC president Dana White as well as his father. He broke the news to Dana White about WWE's decision to move the July 2nd Money in the Bank show from Allegiant Stadium to the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas due to lower than expected ticket sales. Now, Money in the Bank will face competition as well as, you know, 4th of July happening and being 4th of July weekend. WWE's facing UFC 276 competition. That takes place at the T-Mobile Arena on the same night, although WWE show should be over the, you know, UFC's main event because that will be over by the time WWE is uh, doing what they're doing. So we have TK posting this tweet on social media, and I found it to be hilarious Yesterday, one of my favorite days, he says, including great visits with fans and media, a trip to L.A. for the most fulfilling meeting of my life with at WBD leadership, dinner with my dad and Dana White, where I got to break the news to Dana White about money in the bank moving to the MGM Grand. Today, AEW Rampage on TNT. So... Tony Khan poking fun there about the situation and everybody took it as like a a big deal that Tony Khan tweeted this out. I don't understand why anybody would look at that and and say Tony Khan is making light of the situation. He's making light of the situation because that's the way you read it. I didn't read it that way. I read it as, oh, TK is just telling Tony, or TK is just telling Dana White. TK is just telling Dana White that, hey, you may not know this, that uh, WWE was in Allegiant Stadium, and now today that they moved to the MGM Grand, and obviously Dana White is holding a show there on the same weekend, so he might not have known. He was just letting him know the news. for uh, For that day, he was making friendly discussion over dinner, and the way I see it, on a normal day when Tony Khan tweets out about AEW Rampage, how much traction does it really get? The fact that he threw that in there and TK knows exactly what he's doing and he knows the type of fucking idiots you guys are on social media, he put that in there because he knew exactly how you were going to react and you reacted the way he wanted and that tweet blew up and that tweet got traction more than a regular TK promoting AEW Rampage on a random Friday night at 5.30. He knew what the fuck he was doing. So you guys can cry, bitch, and moan That Tony Khan has WWE's balls in his mouth. He knows what he's doing, man. He may be what you think he is, but in fact, he's a smart business guy. So he knows what he's doing on social media. I just found that to be quite hilarious that everybody made this a big deal. In a follow-up tweet, Khan took a shot at WWE, calling it a genius move trying to take on Dana and the UFC in Vegas during International Fight Week. In addition, he noted that he had a fulfilling meeting with leadership uh, at Warner Brothers or with Warner Brothers Discovery, a good sign regarding their upcoming TV deal for all AEW television. Man, oh man, I, I honestly, you know, I, I hate using the term because everybody uses it and they think it's funny, but honestly, man, go get some fucking sunlight, go touch some grass, go experience life outside of your fucking bedroom in your dark, dreary fucking bedroom. Go outside this weekend, man. Tony Khan and what he does should be the least of your concerns. I know he is doing what he needs to do, and he's got a lot on his plate right now, but I'm sure Tony Khan doesn't give a shit about what you think about him. Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank plans for Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar are said to be up in the air. I found this to be quite interesting, talking about Money in the Bank moving from Allegiant Stadium into MGM Grand Garden Arena Roman Reigns, rumored to be wrestling Matt Riddle for the Universal and WWE Championships on that show as WWE has planted seeds for that match to happen. And with Randy Orton, the seeds are there as well with him being taken off television and him probably coming back around SummerSlam and getting his shot at Roman Reigns as RK-Bro is about to implode and maybe break up after all of that is over because they won't be able to take down the Tribal Chief and the Bloodline. But Brock Lesnar is due back in the WWE. I don't know why... I don't really care. Uh, I don't want to see him. There really isn't anything else for Brock Lesnar to do. It's just hit that point where Lesnar back on television is just going to give, not excitement, but desperation on WWE's end. So, money in the bank. It was rumored by Meltzer that it will be Riddle and Roman Reigns. Obviously, we see this taking place on WWE television. More than likely, that's the plan. However, Meltzer added that plans may have changed with Roman Reigns because. Wrestlingnews.co pointed out on Thursday, Reigns is no longer featured in the updated ads for Money in the Bank, and neither is Lesnar, among others. Now, Meltzer added that everything regarding Reigns and Lesnar for Money in the Bank is up in the air right now. Riddle vs. Reigns could still happen, but there's no word on what is next for Brock Lesnar, who was originally booked for the show because it was supposed to be a stadium show. It was announced on Thursday that Money in the Bank is now going to take place at the MGM Grand Arena. Now, they are running a smaller venue. And WWE can hold off on using Reigns and Lesnar on the show, which means Riddle vs. Reigns would happen at a later date. On the current Money in the Bank ads, Cody Rhodes is the featured WWE superstar. Cody is also featured on the Hell in a Cell poster as the spotlighted superstar, as he will probably be in the main event with Seth Rollins inside Hell in a Cell. Lesnar, I get. I don't know why WWE would be even wanting to use Lesnar on the show when realistically there's nothing for Lesnar to do. There really is nothing for Lesnar to do on that show. The only thing that I could possibly see Brock Lesnar doing is either a rematch against Bobby Lashley, which I would probably say for SummerSlam, or a match with Edge. Now, you might be thinking, why Edge? I honestly think Edge and Brock Lesnar is a very intriguing match. And just like the matches he's had with Brian and the matches he's had with Balor, and the matches he's had with AJ Styles and Punk, I think Edge could bring Brock Lesnar to a great match. I think that would be a very intriguing match, and one of the matches that I think that are available right now that WWE should absolutely explore, because right now there really isn't anything. We've seen Drew, we've seen Reigns over and over and over again. We've seen Styles, we've seen Lashley. There really is nobody on that active roster right now that even comes close to being in an intriguing match with Brock Lesnar. It's only Lashley. I, I take one more match and make it better than what we've seen at the Royal Rumble and give them more time. Lashley got hurt in that match. Who knows what the match could have been if Lashley did not get hurt. So Lashley and, and, uh, and Lesnar again, and then we get Edge and Lesnar. Those are the only two matches I'd really like to see. So as far as Reigns, you know, he may be off the thing right now. He may be off the advertisements right now, but WWE has been planting seeds for the last two weeks that Reigns and Riddle will be the match. If you don't do Reigns and Riddle right now at Money in the Bank, then you're really gonna push everything back. We go Money in the Bank, we go SummerSlam, and then WWE goes right into clash at the castle. And WWE has a very, very, very strict time frame here. It's it, it almost has to be Riddle at, at Money in the Bank. Riddle, Orton, and then Drew McIntyre. And then after that, Roman Reigns hopefully dropped the Universal Championship or at least one of those championships to Drew McIntyre, and then he is able to drop the other championship to Cody Rhodes when WWE sees that to be the right opportunity. But like I said uh, so many times before, we may be looking at the end of Roman Reigns on WWE television. There really isn't much for him to do after this year. If he drops both of those titles, the only thing left for him to do is a match with Dwayne, a match with The Rock. And that more than likely is happening at WrestleMania. When that will be announced, that's anybody's guess, but... Plans for Reigns are a little bit more easy to figure out than plans for Lesnar. I don't even think we need Brock Lesnar at Money in the Bank. Save him for SummerSlam and put him in a match with Lashley. Get that out of the way. Lashley's already teased that they have unfinished business. That's not the last you've seen of both of them in the ring. I think that would be awesome. Reigns versus Orton, right? And then you got Lesnar versus Lashley. And I've even pitched John Cena versus Edge at SummerSlam. And I think that would be a great one, two, three punch for main events or or co-main events under Roman Reigns for SummerSlam. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, Roman Reigns' plans for Money in the Bank are a little bit more uh, easier to figure out than Brock Lesnar. I do not think we need Brock Lesnar at Money in the Bank. Speaking of Clash at the Castle, WWE has already done the largest non-WrestleMania gate in WWE history with Clash at the Castle. This is September 3rd, This is Labor Day weekend, another national fucking holiday. WWE wants to run these shows on national holidays. This will be in Cardiff, Wales at Principality Stadium. Dave Meltzer in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter said that a little over 40,000 tickets have already been moved for the event, stating that WWE anticipates a significant number of seats to be sold between now and September. Meltzer said this, and I quote, The Clash of the Cashflow Show at Principality Stadium in Cardiff After the first week of just over 40,000 tickets sold, they did 30,000 in pre-sale and about 10,000 more on the first day to the general public on May 20th. The sales were slightly ahead of the pace of WrestleMania, which had about 37,500 tickets sold for each night after the first week. A true sellout for the stadium would be 69,000, roughly 10,000 more than each night of WrestleMania. 30,000 to go is a lot, But they would also be reducing prices near the show and doing discounts and doing giveaways and such. So more than likely, WWE is going to be heading towards the biggest non-WrestleMania gate in their entire history. With 85,000 people requesting ticket codes for Cardiff and it being the first pay-per-view worldwide for WWE in the United Kingdom since the 1992 SummerSlam inside Wembley Stadium, the feeling was pent-up demand would lead to an early sellout. Still, WWE officials noted to us at The Observer that they were very happy with the sales numbers noting the show will do the largest non-WrestleMania gate not only in WWE history, but the history of pro wrestling and actually beating most WrestleManias for that matter. I'm excited for that show. I'm more excited for that show uh, compared to Money in the Bank at SummerSlam where we know WWE usually drops the ball. And I'm more excited for that show just based on the location of it And the fans that will be there in attendance, man. And I know that will be a history-making night, not only for WWE as far as revenue and ticket sales, but you know they're going to make it a memorable show with something eventually happening on that show, whether it's Roman Reigns losing for the first time in 700 fucking days or or, or whatever, man. We're going to see something big at that show, and I'm mostly excited for the energy that's going to be there. Even watching it at home, I can't even imagine what it's going to feel like being there. The UK fans, man... You know, I have not had the pleasure myself of visiting the UK. I'd like to at some point, point. and you guys are fucking great. Every time you guys are over there and it's a live show, you guys absolutely kill it, man. So I'm looking for something to really get me excited, and this is going to get me excited. Probably one of the only times that you'll see me excited about a WWE show is that. And it's not because of the, the talent on the show or the storylines going into the show. I, I mean, I couldn't give a shit about what WWE's going to do going into that show as far as what we see on Raw and SmackDown, but it's just the entire thing about it being the first show since 1992 SummerSlam being in another country. It's going to be very, very different. It's going to be very special, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what WWE does in that setting away from the norm. Let's shift gears, man. Speaking about away from the norm, Stephanie McMahon is the norm in WWE. She's just like her father. Never takes a day off, is always doing WWE-related shit. She has ingrained her life in world wrestling entertainment. There are reasons why Stephanie McMahon stepped away from WWE, and it's a private and personal matter. She's not expected back anytime soon. High-level WWE execs were not told about her leave of absence, and there is internal doubt in WWE about Stephanie McMahon's abilities as a high-level executive. That's the line I want you guys to really key in on. Internal doubt about Stephanie McMahon's abilities as a high-level executive. Now, why would that be a talking point? It all goes back to what we've seen over the last two and a half years. The man behind it all is Nick Khan. Nick Khan is gaining more power as the year goes on, every single day that goes by, this man is gaining more power, and it's fucking scary. That's the, the, whole, the whole point of it all. Nick Khan is the man who is directly responsible for all the changes you see in WWE. I'm sure he goes through Vince, but if Vince is allowing Nick Khan to make these types of decisions, even with his own family, Even with his own blood, his son and his daughter, Triple H, Paul Levesque, what will Triple H, Stephen McMahon, Shea McMahon do outside of WWE? And what will Vince, when will it stop? How much power is Vince willing to give Nick Khan? That's the whole fucking problem. So Andrew Zarian, Dave Meltzer, and Brian Alvarez, they are live on location in Las Vegas, and they were live with a special edition of their podcast, We're Live, Pal, in Las Vegas. So they talked about Stephanie McMahon's leave of absence and the stories going around about her decision to step away, at least right now, temporarily. Zarian said that he had a conversation with someone high up about Stephanie, and there's more to the story. Zarian said this, and I quote, It was a very bizarre conversation. I'll tell you that. I didn't expect that phone call. It was a phone call that kind of veered into a discussion about Stephanie McMahon. So I asked and I was like, hey, anything I could add to this? What's going on? And you know, some of the comments, I was shocked. One being that people internally, and this is coming from someone we know or somebody in the know in WWE, this wasn't like a guy in catering. The comment was that internally, there was doubt put on Stephanie McMahon and her abilities as an executive. And a lot of this started after she absorbed some of Michelle Wilson's responsibilities after she left. One responsibility being ad sales and sponsorship. And the comment that I found is interesting was that they mentioned that the investors were questioning why they weren't performing as well. And internally, there was some questioning as to why that wasn't performing. I think a month ago, Claudine Linen, I believe her name was. She went over to handle that, and she was released a month ago, and Nick Khan has taken over all of these responsibilities. When Shane and the issue with Shane happened at the Royal Rumble, WWE was pretty quick to say, yeah, he got sent home for all the reasons that you heard. I was not expecting the words to be used for Steph, Because at the end of the day, the McMahons are the McMahons and they are the most protected people in the company. So that's what Zarian said. Melcher then goes on to talk about it. And he spoke to someone who heard about the efforts to keep Stephanie McMahon's story under wraps. And it's a case of the left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing. Because Zarian's source clearly wanted the story out. Melcher says this. As far as Stephanie McMahon goes, like if and when she comes back, it won't be soon. There's a real good chance it won't be the same position or she won't be in the same position. But it was interesting because I talked to somebody about something similar and asked about Stephanie in that in that realm. And, you know, certain things were explained. There's people who Stephanie dealt with, but because Vince always had to be the one that you had to answer to, she didn't have the power. Nobody has the power in WWE. Vince has all the power, if you want to believe that. Vince does have the majority of the power, but it looks like Nick Khan is taking the majority of the power as of late. She's someone who talks to Vince, but at the end of the day, Vince is going to make those decisions. But the thing was, there's some people who are saying stuff, and a person told me, he's like, if anyone hears that, they're going to be gone. No one can say anything bad publicly about Steph. And it's like the left hand and the right hand thing. Yeah, Zarian was told in a way because they wanted it out. Zarian then said the person used buzzy terms to him. And those were the terms that they wanted him to use in regards to leaking the story. Now, Zarian pointed out how Nick Khan is now a senior executive in WWE because of how many office people have been let go. Zarian then speculated on why his source would want the story out with certain buzzwords used. He said, so you could see that this is a big change. But now the big story is, okay, so why would that comment be made? There's a reason for it. You know, you can speculate all you want. Is this the disconnect of the McMahon family from the company just a little bit so that they can really get the company into a position to be sold? It's easier on the audience, or is it something that can easily be, you know, get the stories out there to make it easier to change that old guard in our company? I was really surprised, and I hear some wacky things from there from people, like really crazy, crazy things. I was really shocked to hear that this conversation would happen. There's
2: no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed.
1: At the end of all of this, there's one thing that really sticks out, and Nick Khan is responsible for getting rid of most of Stephanie's team. Most of Stephanie's team was fired. Triple H's team was fired. Who who do you think made these decisions? Nick Khan, Bruce Prichard, Vince McMahon, and John Laurinaitis walked into the Performance Center on that fabled day before NXT 2.0 was... Announced a month and a half later, everybody was like, oh, they're just going down there to scout talent to see how things are operationally being done. No, that wasn't a fucking field trip to see how everybody's doing and make acquaintances with everybody and shake hands and rub elbows and have a fucking lemonade on a hot Florida day. No, that trip was to keep eyes on everything and assess the situation in NXT And say to themselves, we don't need him, we don't need that group, we don't need this, let's downsize, we don't need to do any of this, and blah, blah, blah. That was a death trip for NXT. And it just materialized from there. Now you see what they did as far as the talent being released since the the start of the pandemic. Over 200 plus talent. The McMahons are not safe. Triple H wasn't safe because of Nick Khan. Shane McMahon. You know, Nick Khan, I'm sure, had something to do with Shane McMahon being let go or sent home. Uh, I don't really know who was fully in charge of that. I don't even know if the fucking stories were completely blown out of proportion or not. I mean, reading them, I could obviously read them and see. Yeah, Yeah, that did happen. You know, I could see that all being legit. But McMahon, he is gone. Shane McMahon, that is. Triple H. Now, Stephanie. The McMahon family is being taken out of the equation one by one, Vince better be watching over his shoulder because when Vince is in that position where he gets a little bit older and Nick Khan has all this power and you got the the stock market and all the investors questioning Vince McMahon's mind and Vince McMahon's capability to run the company at this age, who who do you think is going to be able to make that decision? You think Vince is going to take his his position and remove himself completely or downsize his position or give up and and quit and and go home and and have an early retirement. Vince is never going to go anywhere. The decision at that time is going to be Nick Khan's decision. And at that point, Nick Khan will have ultimate power in the company. When, when Vince McMahon and the McMahon family are not there Nick Khan is going to be in charge of WWE. Every single thing you see on television, Nick Khan will be in charge of the business end. He's already completely in charge of everything that Vince approves comes directly from Nick Khan. He only needs Vince McMahon's approval for now. Now I don't know what Nick Khan is going to do as far as the business side and then running the television side. I don't know who's going to run the television side, when Nick Khan is completely at 100% fucking full power. But that's what's going to be. I don't know if he's going to run the fucking company himself creatively, what we see on television, or if he's going to hire somebody. I don't know. But Nick Khan comes from an extensive background before he even joined the WWE, and he's using all that he has applied to his old positions inside the WWE, and he's weeding out the McMahons one by one, whether he wants full control of the company for himself or to sell the company to somebody else. But at the end of the day, the McMahons themselves aren't even safe from Nick Khan, as proven by this. Now, I speculated that maybe it was Stephanie McMahon taking a leave of absence because she was so overworked with what she had to do, taking positions. Now that we know that Nick Khan fired most of her, her team, probably taking up all of that, absorbing all of that, and mix that with Triple H, going away and having the heart attack and all this stuff and being able to take care of WWE And Triple H at the same time and worry about family at home. She probably, and I speculated this myself just as an opinion, as a talking point, maybe she stepped away because she was burnt out. Clearly, that's not the case. Triple H is back. Triple H is back in the office pushing pencils and filing papers and getting uh, everybody their fucking morning coffee and blueberry scone in the morning. He is not NXT anymore. And he's back to work. So Stephanie at least has that, that she doesn't have to worry about like she did, but now she took a leave of absence and we thought it was being burnt out or whatever the case may be. The way Wade Keller made it sound, he made it sound like there was about, uh, you know, there was some dirty laundry about to be aired out. Maybe, maybe there was a sexual harassment thing going on with the company. Maybe there was something involving Triple H and Stephanie McMahon where it would lead to a divorce. I don't know. That's the way he made it sound. But now that we're hearing this and the line of discussion was a little bit more opened up with Zarian and Meltzer on Wrestling Observer. It seems like Nick Khan is just growing in power here. And the McMahons are not safe. At the end of it all, folks, Nick Khan, you're going to be looking at a WWE that's being run by Nick Khan. I don't know whether you guys want that or not. You know, I'm usually the one to say the McMahons are directly in charge of what we see on television. But if Nick Khan is in charge of WWE, I don't want, I don't want to really sit here and say, well, It can't be any worse. That's just something where we all, as a fan base, would be venturing into uncharted territory. I don't even have an answer for you on what WWE could potentially look like in five or ten years. It may not even be around. It may not even be in the hands of the McMahons. It may be sold to another major corporation, and at that point, who the fuck knows what somebody's going to want to end up doing with WWE. All we know is Nick Khan is the man in charge. And Nick Khan is probably, from what we read here, directly responsible for Stephen McMahon taking a leave of absence. Thank you guys for joining me, man. We got nearly 3,000 in the OTS venue tonight. Thank you so very much for joining me live on YouTube. We're going to continue rolling along here as we are now talking about Ric Flair. Not going to spend too much time on this because I don't really give a shit about Ric Flair, but it's... Newsworthy enough to a point where we have to mention Ric Flair. Hulk Hogan. I don't believe I'm talking about this, but Hulk Hogan could possibly be coming out of retirement. Or that was at least the rumor. Hulk Hogan possibly coming out of retirement to wrestle Ric Flair at StarCast 5 SummerSlam weekend. SummerSlam weekend. StarCast 5. Ric Flair is having his final wrestling match ever. Tickets to Ric Flair's last match sold out in under 24 hours. Now, former WWE star Brian Blair kind of let it slip out, maybe, potentially, that Hulk Hogan will be coming out of retirement to wrestle Ric Flair at StarCast 5. Now, Brian Blair says this, and I quote, I'm looking forward to seeing Flair and Hogan, Blair said. Blair said at SummerSlam, but he likely means StarCast 5 during SummerSlam weekend in Nashville, Tennessee. Blair was then asked about Flair and Hogan stepping in the ring at their age with their health issues. He says this, and I quote, Well, I think if Rick were going to die anywhere, he'd want to die in the ring. Terry's had his fair share of surgeries, way too many, and I'm getting ready to call Terry in a couple minutes. I just wish them the very best. I know the fans are the ones that have been really egging it on that really want to see it. I think if you're egging it on and really want to see it, you have some fucking serious mental problems if you want to see Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan in a final wrestling match at their age anywhere. Seriously, anywhere. This is not a fucking video game, man. This is real life. Hulk Hogan is in his 70s, and so is Ric Flair. Give me a break. Nobody wants to see that fucking garbage, and nobody wants them to risk their health. So it's sparked them. All I can say, it will be interesting, and I just pray that they both come out in one piece. Blair was then asked if he was confirming that Hogan was returning to face Flair. He backtracked and claimed that he read it on the internet. I don't know. I didn't read it anywhere on the internet before I found this story. For the record, we were unaware of any site that has reported Hogan versus Flair happening at StarCast 5. Blair would know because he lives in Tampa, and he is very close with Hulk Hogan. Flair and Conrad Thompson said that Hogan was never booked to wrestle, but Flair expects Hogan to be at StarCast 5 in Nashville, Tennessee. Conrad Thompson said, and I quote, here we are talking about what's causing all this for Ric Flair. Another week has gone by, and you have captivated the internet. There's so much speculation, unbelievably. I saw yesterday that people think you're going to be wrestling Hulk Hogan. I mean, I know we're saying it's a who's who and there's going to be big surprises. But goodness gracious, says Conrad, I don't think it's going to be Hulk Hogan. Did I miss that? Flair then said, and I quote, not that I know. I think he would have to run that by me, but he's invited. I've talked to him personally to come to the roast and come watch the match. But yeah, he hasn't confirmed for sure, but I'm pretty sure he'll be there now. Now. They did announce, and I believe this comes from Conrad Thompson and Ric Flair's camp, Ricky Steamboat was originally scheduled to be in the match, but like we said last week and we reported last week, he declined the match with an official statement. Flair confirmed last week on his podcast that he would be teaming with FTR, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, against the Rock and Roll Express and a mystery partner to be named. If Blair is correct then it looks like Hogan will be that partner. I don't know what to make of this. The official StarCast account tweeted that tickets for Ric Flair's last match have sold out in under 24 hours. Flair scheduled the team with FTR against the Rock and Roll uh, Express today a mystery partner. Conrad Thompson and Ric Flair are keeping it hush, hush, and pretending like they don't know what Brian Blair or the internet is talking about. It could be Steamboat. It could be Steamboat still, and Steamboat played everybody for a fool and said, yeah, no, uh, I'm not going to take the match because of the reasons that he gave, and he wants people to remember his last time in the ring, which was with Chris Jericho on a WWE show at WrestleMania. If it's Hulk Hogan, it's Hulk Hogan. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm excited to see Hogan and Flair in the ring. I'm glad that it's not a one-on-one match, like I said last week. Nobody wants to see a Ric Flair match and a Hulk Hogan match with one-on-one. But if it's a tag team match, if it's a tag team element, that's a little bit more understandable and a little bit more easier to digest. But still, it's fucking ridiculous that we're even talking about Ric Flair being in the ring uh, on any show for any type of match, period, at his age. Especially with all the surgeries that he went through and his near-death experience a couple of years ago. Uh, He's lucky to be alive. He stated himself that he's talked to 40 doctors. I don't know if that's legit or not. Coming from Flair, I would highly doubt it. Talking to 40 doctors as far as getting clearance is concerned for the match. Regardless, man, if you're excited about it, go be excited about it. Me, if I end up being in Nashville for SummerSlam, if I end up being at StarCast, it's something that is on the low list of priorities for myself that wrestling weekend. I don't care. You can go watch it. You can go enjoy yourself. But if you don't care, just be like me, man. Shrug it off, and it'll be over by... The next day, and nobody will be talking about it. Let's get into the MJF stuff, man. Let me take a sip of my liquid death first. Hold on one second. We got a lot to get into here, man. We got a lot to get into. It is time now for MJF. The backstage issues with MJF and AEW, they are indeed real, folks. They are indeed real. This is not a work. This is not an elaborate plan by Tony Khan and MJF. He has reportedly isolated himself from the locker room. As of last night, a flight was booked for MJF to fly out of Las Vegas on Sunday morning, Saturday night. Woke up this morning. The first thing that I did was go to the news feed to see what had happened with MJF in the hours that I was sleeping. Only to come and find out that MJF is still grounded in Las Vegas. He will be at Saturday, uh, on Sunday's double or nothing card. He did not leave Las Vegas on Saturday night. Now, I was in the midst of enjoying my afternoon yesterday. Got done with the SmackDown post-show, and around that time, we were hearing slowly but surely that MJF no-showed An AEW Double or Nothing Fan Fest autograph signing meet and greet with fans. Now, these fans, whether whether or not you paid to just see MJF for the afternoon, or if you paid a bundle, I don't know how that's working or not. But the fans, apparently, that paid to see MJF and MJF only were issued refunds. Now, that's the part that really stuck out to me. He no-showed a meet and greet for the Fan Fest. And fans were issued refunds. Now, I know a lot of people are thinking that this is a... It's a work. It's part of his heel shtick. We got Meltzer. You got Alvarez. You got Mike Johnson. And you got Sean Ross Sapp. You got four of the names right now who most of the people in the community go to for exclusive breaking news. And I don't mean just news. I mean confirmed news, not bullshit news. That also stuck out to me as a potential question mark and maybe a red flag. I'll explain why in a second. But all of them, all of them said cohesively that this was not part of his heel shtick. This is not planned. This is all legit, okay? Wrestlingnews.co earlier in the day was told, And they reported, security told fans at today's Double or Nothing Fan Fest that MJF was not answering his phone. Fans in attendance were offered a spot in a different wrestler's line uh, line to go get a picture and an autograph. And some who did not want that option received refunds. PW Insider reports that the promotion was not able to get in contact with him. A fan on Twitter claimed that she saw him in the casino. Now, I mean, take that with a grain of salt. You don't know what fans are seeing. You don't know if this fan was drunk. You don't know if somebody was uh, kind of resembling MJF. I-, I don't know what the fans saw. If it's a fan firsthand experience, take it with a grain of salt. So maybe nobody seen MJF in the casino, or maybe he just isolated himself away from everybody else and didn't want to deal with anybody. But a fan claimed that they saw him in the casino gambling. PW Insider added that there has been a feeling backstage that MJF and AEW are not on the same page, and he's been keeping more to himself behind the scenes. MJF has stated publicly that his AEW contract runs out on January 1st, 2024, and he plans on seeing what both companies offer him when his deal runs out. PW Insider also reports that he has not been receptive to sitting down and talking, and there's been a feeling that he's been disrespectful to Tony Khan. In fact, MJF quote tweeted something that Khan said about blending reality and having things carry over on screen. MJF tweeted and then deleted. Fucking lol. Fuck this place, man. End quote. Now during a breaking news show last night that I was able to catch a little bit of before I before I passed out, this was from Sean Ross Sapp. He was asked about whether he's contacted Tony Khan, MJF, or Wardlow about the situation. Now he says he's contacted Tony Khan, but he didn't hear back. And rightfully so, Tony Khan's not going to go out there and, and respond to, you know, people like Sap when he's got this major developing situation going on with one of his biggest stars in one of the biggest matches on Sunday show. He's contacted Sap. He says he's contacted MJF, but he didn't hear back. He did hear from him eventually, but it wasn't about the situation that we were all discussing, and about his possible whereabouts, whether or not he's on the flight, whether or not he's in the casino, why he missed the fan fest. Sap said he did contact MJF, and he was in contact with MJF, but he did not get any answers to this particular situation. I, I don't understand why. And this is what boggles my mind. And this is what really, it really brings this situation to a point where it's teetering on, well, is it a work or is it a shoot? When I hear shit like that, especially from somebody like Sap, who already said in the same live stream last night that he's known MJF professionally and uh, personally for five years. He's known MJF personally and professionally for five years. Melcher's close with MJF. Alvarez is close with MJF. Sap is close with MJF. MJF, uh, he's always in the public eye with these people. Always, always. He's on random interviews. He, it really brings you to a point where are these four, who are the most highly respected people in the community as far as breaking news, and you only heard it from them, This is what I was thinking. I'm not saying this is the case, but it's definitely a talking point. Is it a situation where all four of these guys collectively reported this all at the same time? Is it legitimately a huge work that is being played off as a, or is it a huge work that is being played off to be looking like a shoot? Is it a huge work with everybody involved? I don't know why that would be an important aspect or important piece of information to SAP For SAP to put out there, I've known MJF for five years professionally and and personally. Nobody gives a shit about that. Nobody's listening to your show thinking that is an important piece of the story. That's only going to question more about the situation. Now, as far as everybody else, they all said it was a legit real-life situation. This is legit. They were even booking scenarios. If MJF did leave and did fly back, what do we do with Wardlow? Wardlow, according to Alvarez and Meltzer, they could bring in somebody to wrestle him, whether it's a a big name that is a free agent out there, whether or not he just buries Sean Spears and signs a contract for AEW, or they put him in the world championship situation. Alvarez and Meltzer were talking about even putting Wardlow and making it a triple threat match with Punk and Hangman and giving him the world title. All of this shit being discussed at 2 o'clock in the morning when people here on the East Coast are getting ready for bed, wanting to be excited about tomorrow's show or yesterday, you know, when we were listening to this yesterday, Sunday show, getting excited about Double or Nothing. When asked if he contacted Wardlow, Sapp says he doesn't know um, because, for a fact, Wardlow has not really said anything about the situation and has been told not to talk about the situation. So Sapp, again, talking about Wardlow. And saying and relaying to the audience last night, Wardlow has, for a fact, been told not to talk about the situation. I don't think Wardlow should talk about the situation, period, whether it was legit or a work. But I don't know why that has to be thrown in everybody's face. That's, again, only going to make people talk even more about it being a legit work. Sap was able to confirm that none of this is because of a physical issue with MJF. So, if you were thinking that he might have been injured or if he's got some mental problems, that's not the case. And Sap said that he's not at liberty to talk about anybody's mental health. Fine. It's almost a certainty that it stems from the ongoing issues between him and Tony Khan and AEW, which originated from a contract dispute. Fightful added. That a cross-country flight for MJF leaving Las Vegas last night had been booked for MJF, but it remains to be seen if he got on the plane or not. This was as of last night. We woke up this morning knowing that MJF was still in Las Vegas. Who purchased the flight? I don't know. How much did the flight cost? I'm sure it was an exorbitant amount of money, being that it was a red-eye back to New York, New Jersey, Nobody knows who booked this flight. Was it MJF that booked the flight? Was it somebody in AEW? Was it one of MJF's family? Was it, uh, was it his parents? Nobody knows. When was the flight booked? Apparently the flight was booked after he had decided to leave the FanFest. So it had to happen between when I first heard this story at 6 o'clock, 6.30, and the time in which his FanFest was supposed to be over, 12.45 to about 2.30. So in that little three-and-a-half-hour time frame, the flight had to be booked. Who booked the fucking flight? Then everybody was wondering, they were even going as far as to deep diving into looking at the fucking flight path. And, and when the flight was about to take off, at one point people were saying, oh, the flight was delayed. The flight was delayed. And then everybody was, all right, he's not on the, pl- he's not on the, fl- uh, the plane. He's not on the flight. So MJF, MJF, not on the plane. Obviously, if he decided to fly out, then he would not be on the pay-per-view Sunday night and would basically put all of the plans with Wardlow in the fucking grave because no match would be taking place. MJF has been very open about his unhappiness with ex-WWE stars making more money than him. But AEW has been willing to sit down and negotiate a new deal. Tony Khan wants to negotiate a new deal with MJF. So far, with all of this going on, MJF has not been willing to sit down with officials And he stated in interviews that when his contract is up in January 2024, he plans on signing with the top bidder. In recent interviews, MJF said he still keeps in contact with Cody Rhodes and has spoken with Paul Heyman via text. He has also stated that he is still friends with Bruce Pritchard. They know each other from their days in MLW. MJF has also talked about being unhappy about the ex wrestlers coming in and making more money than him, like I previously mentioned. Now, it's no secret that MJF grew up a WWE fan. He's had aspirations of working there and becoming a top star several years ago. He tried out for Tough Enough but was not selected for the show. It appears that a lot, if not all, of what he's been saying in the media the last couple of weeks is all legitimate. MJF is scheduled to wrestle Wardlow at Double or Nothing, and as of right now, the match is still going to take place there was a situation where aew tweeted out something this afternoon or this morning rather at 10 30 they tweeted this out all elite wrestling official twitter account you see the check mark there and jeffers wardlow double or nothing live tonight on pay-per-view as you guys see there the tweet was deleted now this could be something this could be nothing As of right now, this tweet is deleted, but AEW kept up the hype package and the hype on YouTube. They kept up uh, a video on their YouTube in regards to this match. So like I said, this could be something, this could be nothing. I don't know why they would delete this tweet, which obviously this is one of the biggest matches on the show with one of the big storylines going into double or nothing. Delete this tweet and keep up the YouTube video. I don't know why that would be a thing for AEW to go out there and do. Now... Additionally, Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer added their spin on this story and their uh, hearings about this story. Meltzer said that MJF's phone is on, but he's not answering calls. Apparently, he picked up for Sean, Sean Ross Sapp. He picked up for Sean Ross Sapp. Sean Ross Sapp said he did speak to MJF, but it had nothing to do with the situation at hand about why he left the FanFest and why he's in the casino gambling and why he's booked a flight for himself to go back to New York, New Jersey Meltzer says MJF's phone is on, but he's not answering calls. So I guess Meltzer tried to call MJF as well. Alvarez said the rumor that has been out there is that essentially he wants more money. Tony will offer him more money, for example, if he extends his contract, but he doesn't want to extend his contract. Keep that in mind. It's a very important part of this entire discussion. He wants MJF to extend his contract. But MJF doesn't want to extend his contract. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what the fuck that means. That right there would tell everybody that MJF doesn't want to be with AEW. If he doesn't want to extend his contract, that doesn't mean he has a problem with AEW. He just doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there. Apparently he's got, you know, Alvarez and Meltzer have this this thing and, and it's all about the money. It's about the money, money, money. We talked about that this is not about the fucking money. This is not about the money, okay? has nothing to do with money. Absolutely none of this has to do with money. The only aspect of money being involved here is how much money other people are making. MJF seemingly has a fucking problem with Adam Cole, Keith Lee, Isaiah Swerve Scott, and all these ex-WWE guys coming in here making more money... Than him. He signed the contract not too long ago for uh, an amount of money that he thought was sufficient enough for himself. Money that Tony Khan offered him that he thought was well enough for himself. Now that everybody else is coming on in here, now he has a problem with how much money he's making. Not knowing that Tony Khan already knows how great of a star he is, how big of a star he is, he's a fucking pillar, the pillar. Of AEW, what does this have to do with? Is it about money? It certainly doesn't have to do money or have to do with money on MJF's side. It has nothing to do with money on MJF's side. MJF and the Cody Rhodes situation—it all stems from the same fucking thing. There's nothing to do with money. Cody was going to make his money whether he wanted to be in WWE or AEW. MJF is going to make, if not more money with AEW than he would with. WWE, you don't think Tony Khan is going to offer this man more money than WWE? You have to be out of your fucking mind to think that Tony Khan is not gonna offer this man the goddamn world and plus sum to stay in AEW. It's nothing to do with money. It has to do with ego. That's the fucking reason for all of this happening. It has to do with ego. It has nothing to do with money, it has nothing to do with creative nothing if you want to think that this is money and creative normally it's one of those two things i can say without a shadow of a doubt it has nothing to do with money or creative why would it why would it if mjf thinks he has a problem with AEW because of creative or if he has a problem with AEW because of money mjf may be the dumbest fucking idiot this week that i've ever seen I mean, I I don't understand how anybody can look at MJF and think, oh, well, he's not a, a really great position superstar in the company. Fuck you talking about? This guy had one of the best years out of anybody so far. We're not even through fucking June yet. MJF. Every time he's on TV, he is the highest rated segment, for the most part, on AEW television. This guy legitimately was CM Punk's first, major feud which by the way is not done yet there's a third match coming if all of this writes itself out he was CM Punk's first feud you think you think Tony Khan is gonna put anybody in that fucking spot anybody against CM Punk you don't think CM Punk willingly wanted to work With MJF, it's the fucking very reason why CM Punk is even in AEW and back after seven and a half years to begin with, to work with people like MJF. Yes, he's back for his own reasons, but of course, he's back for his own reasons. He's also back to work with all the young talent, MJF included, in AEW. It's nothing to do with creative. Right now, he's in one of the biggest storylines going into the biggest show of the year for AEW, and you mean to tell me that MJF is upset with fucking creative. The trajectory path that we see is leading MJF to the AEW fucking heavyweight championship. Has nothing to do with creative. If MJF thinks this is about, or or if he's unhappy with creative, he may have some mental fucking issues. He may have some mental issues. Has nothing to do with anything. Why he doesn't want to be there. Why doesn't he want to be there? Because of his fucking ego. That's why he doesn't want to be there. Now, I love MJF. I'm not going to sit here and blast MJF. I'm trying to understand the situation. But I say this about Cody. Cody's got a big fucking ego. That's why he went to WWE. He wants to be the man. He wants to be the world champion. He wants to be headlined in WrestleMania. He knew he wasn't going to get that in AEW. It's about MJF's ego. He thinks he's bigger than he really is. And we all know he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. We know how great he is. We know how great he still is going to be and get better year by year, 25 years old. We know what, as wrestling fans, we know what MJF is capable of. But at the end of the day, when you look at this situation, it's not about money, it's not about creative, it's about his fucking ego. What I don't understand is why these types of guys think that they have to live the gimmick to a point where it ultimately damages their reputation. If this is legit and MJF walked out and left all those fans disappointed and booked a flight for himself back, I don't know why he would do that. That is all ego. That is all ego. And he's telling Tony Khan, you need me. I don't need you. That's what that is saying. And if that's the case, I think everybody collectively would look at that as the reason for losing respect for MJF. You don't need to act that way if you're MJF because, and he may not understand this. He may not understand this. You don't need to act that way if you're MJF because everybody already is on your side. Everybody knows how great you are and everybody knows how great you're going to be. Why do you need to exude such fucking egotistical ways? That's what I don't understand. That's what I don't get. It's all about his ego. And I know MJF is a level-headed fucking guy. I cannot picture MJF going out there and saying, fuck you to everybody, walking away, when I know for a fact that, and we said this on Wednesday, Jesse and I said this on Wednesday, MJF. He knows this. He knows it. He's directly responsible for bringing CM Punk to the best fucking, one of the best feuds of his entire career. And he's responsible. He is number one responsible for getting Wardlow over in front of the fans, in front of everybody for the last three years. Wardlow is over Because yes, Wardlow has fucking lived it. He's been there. He's great. But do you honestly think if you take anybody else as a heel and put them in this situation with Wardlow, do you think it would be at the level we see it now with somebody else instead of MJF? No. No. It would be half of what we see right now There are not many people out there that can play MJF and do what he does. It worked because of MJF, and MJF knows that. I don't want to sit here and tell you that, you know, he's upset over creative. It's not about creative. He knows that. MJF would probably probably be the first fucking person to shake that man's hand when they walk through the fucking gorilla position after tonight's match. MJF would be the happiest of all that he did that for Wardlow. It's not about cash. It's not about creative. It's about fucking ego. That's what it boils down to. Now, the reason why I don't think this is a work, I don't think Tony Khan would ever disrespect fans the way that everybody seemingly is talking about on social media. Is Tony Khan directly responsible about this work? Is it a work with Tony Khan, put the fans in the fire for this work, to sell this storyline, to give double or nothing more traction? No, I I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think Tony Khan would really go to that extent. Tony Khan loves wrestling and Tony Khan wants people to talk about what he's doing, but I don't think he's going to be directly uh, in the fire with the fans and put the fans in that situation right in front of that firing line. Because that's the part that really upset me, and that's the part that really got me scratching my head. Not only about Wardlow. Everybody, if, if MJF walked out on Wardlow, that would be fucked up. Everybody was like, you can't do this to Wardlow. Wardlow is, a, Wardlow is an innocent bystander in this. Wardlow is an innocent bystander. He does not deserve this at all. Wardlow would be in front of the fucking catastrophe... And he, he has no part in any of this. He's just an innocent bystander. No, I don't think Tony Khan will put the fans in that type of position. There were legitimate refunds handed out. When the fans' money is adversely involved here in this, then it does not become a work. This is absolutely 100% legit. So that's the part that really got to me. That's the part that really made it seem like, you know, everybody's talking about it to work. Now, the fans' money is involved It's absolutely a shoot. Now, could I see MJF in the fucking casino? I don't know. I don't know what the fans saw. I don't know what the fans saw. Another thing that people are talking about is the fact that MJF may be manipulated by others to leave AEW and walk out on AEW and leave AEW high and dry. You know, when would MJF uh, come up and and, and come up with a, a calculated plan to fucking screw Tony Khan and AEW at the worst possible moment. Yeah, let's wait till Vegas to fucking drop the bomb on him and walk out and stand our ground. I don't think MJF would walk out on AEW unless he does what he has to do and then goes to Tony Khan like a professional and asks for his release. Because according to everybody else and everything that's said, AEW wants to keep him, MJF doesn't want to be there for whatever reason. Ego. It's all ego. He feels like his position is threatened. He's insecure. And he feels like Adam Cole and Swerve and Keith Lee and all these other fucking W Miro and Cesaro potentially coming in and Johnny Gargano potentially coming all these fucking people coming in. Right. All these ex WWE guys coming on in, stealing his thunder, stealing his spot. It's not the case. It's not the case. None of those men are going to steal your spot. You're in the main event with fucking CM Punk. You're going to be in the main event with CM Punk. You're going to beat CM Punk for the world title. I don't know why you would be threatened by anybody in AEW. In fact, you're the one that's going to be threatening people because of because our of great yard. I don't get why he feels threatened in any way. It's all about ego. MJF is not going to leave AEW high and dry without doing what he needs to do for Wardlow and without doing what he needs to do for the fans. At some point today, he's going to come to a realization, I messed up. I left those fans high and dry. I'm a fucking prick. My character plays it. I live it in real life. I love blurring the lines of what is real and what is not. I'm going to show up on Sunday night. I'm going to get booed out of the fucking building. I'm going to put over my good buddy Wardlow. I'm going to do what I need to do for AEW and Tony Khan. And then I'm going to ask Tony Khan, listen, let me go. I don't want to be here. For whatever reason, he doesn't want to be there. Like I said, it's all ego. I don't get why he's thinking the way that he is. It has nothing to do with Cody. It's nothing to do with Paul Hammond. It's nothing to do with Bruce Pritchard. None of these people are in his ear. Yes, leave. Leave. Leave AEW. Fuck them over. Fuck Tony Khan over. No, it, nobody is in his ear. If anything, Cody Rhodes, they're such great friends, right? All you hear is about Cody Rhodes and MJ being great friends. If anything, Cody Rhodes would be the first person to tell him, don't you even dare. Do what you are going to do. You give that man your fucking talent. You give that moment to Wardlow, and then you handle this like a fucking professional. Cody Rhodes is not. I see this being talked about. Cody Rhodes is not responsible for manipulating MJF or telling MJF and whispering in MJF's ear about leaving AEW. If anybody, Cody Rhodes is telling him to do the exact opposites. Nobody is in MJF's ear at all at the end of all of this. Now, it's not clear. It's not clear if this is a work or a shoot. And I appreciate a good work, man. I really do. I've said this countless times. There really isn't a fucking heel in this business that we can really sit there and truly appreciate. He wants to be Brian Pillman all of a sudden. MJF wants to be Brian Pillman all of a sudden. Blur the fucking lines even more so than he does already between what is real and what is not. I get what he wants to do, but this is not the way to go about it. Having the fans adversely affected in this is is not the way. Fucking treating AEW like a fucking piece of garbage. Without them, you don't have the spotlight that you do. Without them, you're not MJF. Without CM Punk and Wardlow and everybody else, you know, it, it all comes around and around and around. It comes full circle, man. Yes, yes, they all need you. You need them, too. Don't put yourself at a higher standard because you think you're fucking so great. You're not there yet. And the grass is not always greener on the other side. You want to go be Bruce Pritchard's bitch? You go be Bruce Pritchards' bitch. Because I know for a single fucking fact, you may see Cody Rhodes right now excelling in WWE. You may be looking at him as a potential world champion sooner rather than later. That's fine. That's a great foundation for you to look at and say, hey, well, if he's doing it, then I can do it as well. But my God, man, you think you're not like Cody Rhodes? Cody Rhodes was an easy transition from AEW television to WWE. All you got to do is take him from what you saw on Wednesdays and apply it to Monday and Friday. You think it's going to be as easy of a transition for you to take you from Wednesday and put you on Monday or Friday? You will be a shell of your former self. You may want the money. TK's willing to give you the money. TK just wants a commitment from you. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. MJF is going to be paid. But if he wants to be paid by WWE, he's going to be a shell of his former self. And like I said, he's going to be Bruce's bitch. On AEW side, he'll be paid the same, if not more. I'm guessing more. And he will be the foundation of AEW for the next five years. On top of that... World heavyweight champion. Your stock will be more. Your stock will be bigger. Your star will be bigger. You will be greater under Tony Khan for the next five years. And then if you want to go to Bruce and be his bitch in your early 30s, then you go be his bitch. That's what you need to do. Don't let these people down. Don't let Tony Khan down. Don't let Wardlow down. He will be there tonight. We will get the matches advertised. Everything will be fine. The scrums are going to be very interesting tonight. Tony Khan, whether or not he's going to be taking questions or not, remains to be seen, but they will be asked. They will be asked. Is this a big elaborate work? Is this one big shoot? I don't think this is a work. I don't. I really don't think this is a work. I appreciate a good fucking heel, man. I appreciate the fact that MJF may want to go out there and do his own thing and fucking spread his wings and... Blur the line of reality and what is not real. I appreciate that about him. That's why we all love MJF. You don't know what the fuck he's talking about and if it's real or if it's not real. Because that's the type of character he plays. But this is not the way to go about it. He's in in Las Vegas. He was supposed to be uh, on a flight that arrived at 6.30 a.m. this morning. He did not fly back to the East Coast. He did have a ticket to fly into Newark. And he is still in Las Vegas. He will be on tonight's show. It's not about money. It has absolutely nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with creative. He's been in the most memorable segments on AEW television in its three-year history. He's the number one ratings draw in every segment that he's in because of how great he is. This is not about money, and it's not about creative. This is about fucking ego. And something just went off in MJF's head where he thinks his ego uh, or his ego is overtaking literally all the common sense and logic in his brain, and it's making him feel like he's bigger than everybody else that's on this show tonight, and the center of attention needs to be completely on him. He doesn't know how he's adversely affecting everything on the show. It's all about him now. Meanwhile, he's taking away Wardlow's situation. He's taking away the spotlight on Wardlow. He's taking away Wardlow's big night. He's taking away the Owen Cup. He's taking away the Owen Cup. Because everybody's talking about MJF. He's taking away the finals of a tournament that the company has tried to memorialize, Owen Harden. Taking away the spotlight from that. Taking away from Wardlow. Taking away from Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb. Taking away from CM Punk and Hangman Page with Punk potentially winning the world championship. He's taking away spotlight and the talking points for everybody on that show, everybody in that locker room because he wants the spotlight for himself. That is not right. This, to me, it's legit, it's a shoot, and I think MJF shows up on Sunday night in that match with Wardlow, and we get the match as scheduled to go on. What happens after that on Monday? I don't know. But if MJF doesn't want to be there, by all means, go be Bruce's bitch. Because I'll sit here every fucking Monday and every Friday, and I'll still be a fan of MJF. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to sit here and keep my mouth shut And tell you every single week that I told you so. If you think the grass is greener on the other side, yeah, your wallet may be. But we don't want to see you turn into a fucking second-rate Miz under the PG banner. We want MJF who's reckless. We want MJF who's real. We want MJF that is fucking legit in front of our eyes on Wednesday. When you get to that point where we know it's time for you to go and fucking do that shit in somebody else's house, we'll be the first to tell you. I'll be the first to fucking tell you because I know you'll end up in the WWE somewhere some way now is not the time you still got a lot of work to do not only for yourself but that fucking locker room oh my goodness man I hope I really hope I opened a line of discussion here honestly this is not a work. when fans money is involved man it's not a work. I'm sorry Thank you guys very much, man, for joining me on this Sunday afternoon. We still got a lot to get into, man. We still got a lot to get into. I still got a ton of Sasha Banks, though. You don't want to go nowhere, man. Sasha Banks, Naomi situation with the WWE. Expected to get worse. We're going to start off with that, but I want to check the chat, man. 3,200 people live today for OTS, man. Thank you guys very much. We got 1,200 likes. I need, listen, we got a new goal, man. This is the biggest goal of all time. 2,000 likes. Can we get 2,000 likes? If you guys are in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, man, hit that thumbs up. 2,000 likes is now the new minimum for tonight's OTS 432. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We're we'll hanging out at the end of the show. You guys let me know what you think of what I just said about MJF, what you guys want to say to me about what you're thinking in regards to MJF. And we got five new members, man. Randy B with a two month membership. Thank you, brother. Carl Peterson. With a two-month membership. And we got Rick Alba with a new membership. And also Chris Hollywood, guys. Thank you so much. Shake best as well, man. Thank you guys for becoming VIPs right here on OTS, man. Let's get into the Sasha Banks-Naomi situation. Sasha Banks and Naomi situation expected to get worse in WWE before it gets better. I got a ton of news. And this comes from WrestleVotes. This was tweeted earlier this week. WrestleVotes says, after talking to a few people, I gather this Sasha Naomi situation is going to get worse before it gets any better. While the majority of the support online is in their favor, it's quite the opposite with management. This is coming directly from WrestleVotes. This was on May 22nd at 2.13 p.m. in the afternoon. Now, WWE, after what WrestleVotes stated, they obviously have suspended Sasha Banks and Naomi, and they suspended them without pay. WWE's not paying Sasha Banks and Naomi during their suspension. Dave Meltzer reported in the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that WWE's not paying Banks and Naomi while they sit at home during their suspension. Now, I don't know if that is a regular occurrence with WWE. I I think when everybody's suspended, they're still earning their downside guarantee. When somebody violates the WWE policy, and it's taken off television, they still pay their downside guarantee, I believe. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong on that, but they're not paying Sasha Banks and Naomi at all. Merchandise has been pulled from WWE shop to a point where we see Papa Shango. If you go type in Sasha Banks, Naomi, you get a fucking picture of Papa Shango. And something along the lines of saying, oh, um, something along the lines of uh, Parts Unknown, you ventured into Parts Unknown. They're not paying Sasha Banks and Naomi during their suspension, although they are still listed on the active WWE roster. Their future in the company is still up in the air. Nobody knows what's happening with their contract situation. Nobody knows if they're going to bring them back. Nobody knows if Naomi's going to want to re-up her contract and resign. Sasha Banks, we don't know if Sasha Banks wants to re-up and resign. She may be done. If I had a a general feeling on the situation, I think Sasha Banks is done in WWE. Zero plans. Zero plans. For Sasha and Naomi to return at this point. Alvarez says, perhaps you missed when they announced it on SmackDown. Sasha Banks and Naomi let everybody down. Millions of fans were let down, apparently, when they walked out of Raw on Monday. They have, in fact, been stripped of their women's tag team titles, have been suspended indefinitely and without pay. A lot of people, a lot of people are claiming that this MJF situation Uh, with Tony Khan and AEW, is very similar to what Sasha Banks and Naomi did. It's not the same fucking thing. If you see anybody on social media talking about this and comparing the two, they're a bunch of misinformed idiots. It is not anywhere close to being the same thing. I said this how many fucking times, just 10 minutes ago. MJF's situation is not about money and it's not about creative. Sasha Banks and their situation with Naomi... Is about WWE creative. It's all about creative. It's not the same thing. And I find it hilarious how people think that I'm putting AEW on a pedestal over WWE and how I'm now blasting MJF and and, and making light and making fun of MJF and now I've turned my back on MJF. I didn't turn my back on MJF. I love MJF. Don't get me wrong and don't get my words fucking twisted, man. But what I find funny is how so many people want to claim that this is the same thing. And they stand up for WWE. Oh, Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out. They're unprofessional. They deserve everything that they got coming to them. Instead of these fucking mindless drones standing on their own two feet, showing respect to Sasha Banks and Naomi for absolutely standing up against a Hitler-like fucking machine In WWE, where your thoughts are not your own. You don't have the opportunity to speak what you want and speak your mind. You got to follow orders like you're a fucking robot. You're programmed to do and say as they want. You support that? You support that? I know I don't support that. I support Sasha Banks and Naomi for fighting against that fucking bullshit. And that's what everybody should do. But people are so fucking stupid because of their fucking fandom for the E... As if the E is paying your fucking mortgage at the end of the fucking month. The E doesn't give a fuck about you and the E is never going to give a fuck about you. Why people care so much about why WWE is doing this and how they have to stand behind WWE and how much money WWE is making and they're supporting this. Instead of supporting the fucking workers that work there that are actively being treated like fucking garbage, like Sasha Banks, and Naomi, you want to sit there and support WWE. You're a fucking mindless idiot. MJF, on the other hand, is doing the exact opposite to AEW. He's disrespecting AEW. He's disrespecting everybody on Double or Nothing's card with his actions. Wardlow, Punk, MJF. Uh, uh, MJF is disrespecting himself at the end of the day. He's not really fucking handling this in the proper business-like manner. He's playing with fire. At some point, he's going to have to realize what the fuck he's doing. He is disrespecting Tony Khan and AEW. WWE disrespected Sasha Banks and Naomi. And don't question me on why. I know. Alvarez continues to say that WWE apparently doesn't expect them back anytime soon because they are no longer figured in creative plans. Ringside News, I don't don't really want to talk about Ringside News, but they were the first to report that while no official mandate has been handed down, creative is no longer pitching ideas for Banks and Naomi and the feeling is that it's pretty obvious that everyone uh, feels that they are gone. That was coming from their side. Alvarez then confirmed that uh, the original report that they heard Uh, about creative, not working on anything for them right now, he did back up that report. He said that there is zero plans for them to return, and there is zero talk whatsoever about the two of them as it pertains to creative. So what are we doing with the tag team championships? What are we doing with the tag team championships? Apparently, WWE has plans, and potentially the tag team championships and the plans for them have been revealed. Per Dave Meltzer in the latest wrestling edition, or latest edition of the Wrestling Observer, Several pitches have been made for the tournament with WWE discussing plans for the teams and the tournament taking place with Natalia, Shayna Baszler, Tamina and Dana Brooke, Nikki Ash and Drop, and Carmella and Zelina Vega. Now, Zelina Vega is injured. Zelina Vega is out for six months. And I don't know how that's going to be. They broke up twice already. And and WWE has no plans being that they want to put a team back together that they've broken up twice already and now Zelina is injured and she's been off SmackDown because of said injury. These are the four teams. This is what you're going to try and sell me on as far as a tag team tournament to replace Sasha Banks and Naomi. Natalia, Shayna Baszler, Tamina, Dana Brooke, Nikki Ash and Doedrop, Carmella and Zel- Why are you even bothering at that point? Why are you even bothering at that point? I don't get it. Regarding the teams, there will be a tournament there have been pitches made, at least two involved uh, uh, for, uh, at least two involved a four-team tournament. And one, the four teams are the ones that I just mentioned, even though they've already broken up Carmella and Zelina Vega. They automatically want to get the titles on somebody else in, in any way that they can because they had to come out and give you an explanation as to why Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out. They dropped the titles on Laurinaita's desk. They did mention a tournament. There were plans that WWE is potentially going to use NXT teams in the tag team tournament as well. We already talked about this. The main roster tag team titles for the women and the NXT tag team titles for the women, they are both absolutely worthless. Worthless is not even good enough to describe those titles. I would just merge those tag teams. You want to merge everything else? Just merge those tag team titles and give us some teams floating back and forth between all three brands. I said this once before. You guys know the deal about that. This there's nobody that gives a fuck about anything that's happening with these tag team titles if these are the teams involved. Some people in WWE are expressing support for shots for Sasha Banks and Naomi after originally being reported that nobody was supporting them. And some people wish they could do the same thing. This is a new update. This is coming from PW Torch and Wade Keller. He says, and I quote, Naomi's contract is coming due. We don't have much more on the details On Sasha and Naomi in terms of any reconciliation or any more details on their departure. I know some people, and I've run into a lot of them, who just instinctually want to blame Vince McMahon for everything. Other people, although fewer outside and inside WWE, are not complimentary of Sasha Banks and Naomi. And the likelihood of handling this well. And are not surprised that out of anybody of prominence on the roster, that they'd be the ones who made the decision... And handled things in a way that wasn't ideal. Now, again, I've, I've said this time and time again. Everybody wants to point blame. All the media has blamed Sasha Banks. What if it was the other way around? Nobody seems to be discussing this. Nobody even brought this up as a talking point. I don't, I don't think anybody brought it up as a talking point. What if Naomi was the one who walked out? What if everybody wants to smear Sasha Banks? What if Naomi walked out for reasons that we may never know? What if she was just up uh, upset over the creative and she has a justifiable reason to do so and be upset at creative? She's been booked like a fucking idiot the last couple of years. This year has been some of the best stuff that Naomi's done and WWE still hasn't given her what she rightfully deserves after performing at a top level, especially against Charlotte and WWE dropping the Sony Deville storyline. What if, what if Sonya, uh, uh, Naomi rather, walked out and Sasha was the one who followed Naomi? Nobody's talking about that. That could obviously be a detail of the story, but nobody even brought that up as being a talking point. Everybody wants to just blast Sasha Banks because Sasha Banks did it once before. So Sasha Banks, being that she'd done it once before, she'll do it again. Both of the women have a reason to be upset, over-creative. Keller made it clear that when he reports on things, he's not someone who picks a side between the wrestlers and management, and his story is not biased towards any side. He added... But I can say that there are people in that locker room, colleagues of theirs, including active wrestlers and otherwise, who are disappointed and not sympathetic to the way Sasha and Naomi handle us, which I also find to be a a rather odd situation. So these people are automatically telling you without actually telling you that they approve WWE and the way that they do their creative shit, and nobody will speak up because, hey, they don't want to ruffle feathers And they're fucking numb to the entire work environment that if something is blatantly in front of them and knowing that it fucking sucks, they don't even realize that what is wrong is right in front of them. That's what that means to me. How are you in that company standing up for shit creative when you know that what you've been given and what you see on a daily basis is shit creative? Nobody stands up for it. So, and there are others who, yes, think this is a cool thing that they did it. And they sort of wish that they had the guts to do the same thing or something like that and take a stance. So I mentioned Naomi's contract is coming due in WWE. And there had been some rubblings that maybe this was all related to contract issues. And not wanting to look like they were being sacrificed right before to take some leverage away or to spend some time of their equity right before their contracts come due. We don't have details on when their contract expires but it's just something that could have been a contributing factor in the frustration of Naomi and perhaps Sasha that we're going to take away some of your leverage by having you do pretty high-profile jobs in the midst of a tag team title reign that they were excited about. And nobody knows what was said to Sasha and Naomi in that meeting. Nobody knows if it's a contract issue or not. If I knew, obviously, I would have told you. But I don't know if it's a contract issue or not. It doesn't seem like it is, but I can't say for sure. Maybe they did lowball Naomi on a contract. Knowing her contract was coming up, they lowballed her with an offer and she said, fuck this shit. On top of that, they want her to put over Bianca when WWE's job should have been to put over Bianca. And they just want Naomi to aid in that. And she probably took that as the cherry on top of this shit Sunday and said, fuck this shit. I'm walking out. And who's to say Naomi, again, didn't walk out on her own and Sasha didn't follow her? Because whatever Naomi's grievances are, I'm sure are Sasha's grievances as well. And they felt like that wasn't being repaid with being protected while they were tag team champions. And like I said, I've talked to enough people to get a sense that there's not any sort of um, way to sway their opinion. In the locker room of how they handle this, I think there's some sympathy for certain details of why they walked out, but not a lot of sympathy for walking out before a show. But when it gets right down to it, Sasha and Naomi could have stayed and done the match, without making things worse for WWE, I honestly think they chose the right time to walk out. WWE obviously changed the main event to whatever the fuck they changed it to. If WWE had that match and Sasha Naomi did that match and then they walked out, it would be a completely different situation. I don't think they would have done that. They chose the right time to walk out. And honestly, the way I see it, again, nobody's questioning if Naomi walked out. If Naomi wanted a championship match, if Naomi was getting a championship match with with, with Bianca Belair, honestly, from what I know, I don't know why Sasha would not be happy for Naomi. Something else had to happen there. Sasha Banks absolutely would be happy for Naomi to be put in a high-profile match like that to show what her star can really do in a main event level feud with Bianca Belair. Something else happened there. So I don't know I don't have all the answers. But you got to really you got to really understand the the motives of, of Sasha and Naomi. It's all about wanting to make things feel important. And they were given the short end of the stick. It's not about money, it's not about contracts as far as I'm concerned. It's about how they were handled, the position of their star being handled, WWE mistreating them and their star and how they were handled. And then you want us to do the dirty work when you should have already fucking done the work yourself, putting over Ronda, putting over uh, Bianca Belair. Sasha Banks doesn't need to put over Ronda. Naomi doesn't need to put over Bianca Belair. That was already done. That's already been done. WWE doesn't need those two women to do that, and those women knew that. That's what this all stems from. And it's just not this. It stems from all the other fucking weeks. Just look back. Look back over the last 12 months. You can see where they were going with this. All justified. So, Wade Keller goes on to say and finish and say this, but when it gets right down to it, Sasha and Naomi could have stayed and done that match without making things worse for WWE if Naomi won the match and earned the title shot, and you do that, and then Naomi says, I don't want to go through with this. Now, WWE's more of a mess to clean up, just like I said, than simply announcing a six-pack challenge that WWE needs to rework on short notice. Pat McAfee did not know what was going on when Michael Cole made the announcement. Pat McAfee and his facial expressions went viral on social media. He mentioned this on the Pat McAfee show. He says this, the Sasha Naomi thing. That was my first time hearing what Cole was saying live there. I have no idea what to think. I have no clue. This is a very fascinating thing. She, Sasha, is a superstar. They were our champions. What's happening? I honestly have no idea what to believe in this whole thing. They keep me out of the loop on everything. I have... Fucking no idea why Cole was doing his thing, but I was very fascinated. What is going on right now? I wish I had more answers for the people. A a couple of people asked me during my chat with Pat on Saturday, what was going on? It's like, fuck, man, I feel like you know more than I do. Uh, And literally, as it was happening, I had no idea. He said they need to resolve it ASAP. So Pat McAfee did not know. WWE's not going to go out there and, you know, even with Pat McAfee's facial expressions, they allow Pat to do whatever the fuck he wants to do and say whatever he wants to do because WWE knows that Pat McAfee doesn't need this shit. He's being paid chump change while he's making millions upon millions with his show. He does this because he loves it. WWE's using Pat McAfee because Pat McAfee is more of a social media trend than anything that WWE's doing right now. So they're using him. Pat McAfee knows that he doesn't need them. WWE needs Pat McAfee more than he needs them. But yes, he didn't know and he had no fucking idea what was being said when Michael Cole said what he said on SmackDown two weeks ago. Jimmy Smith believes that WWE wanted to get ahead of the Sasha Banks and Naomi narrative. That's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to get ahead of the narrative so the narrative stays in their portion of the squared circle, per se. He says on his Unlocking the Cage podcast, and I quote, the rumor I have heard is that in the days of social media, the performers themselves can spin their own narrative. Nowadays, if the Ultimate Warrior got cut and people know the story at SummerSlam that he ran to the back and was immediately fired by Vince McMahon because he made all his demands, but Ultimate Warrior would have picked up his phone and recorded something on Instagram and said, fuck Vince McMahon, whatever. The superstars themselves are able to get their own story out and get their own narrative out in the public in ways they couldn't 20, 10, 15 years ago. So what it feels like the WWE is doing, and I don't know, they haven't discussed it with me, is that they're getting ahead of the ability of Sasha Banks and Naomi to put out their own narrative. If you don't say why, they will say why. The WWE wants their perspective out there. They're going to go out there and say something, so WWE wanted to get ahead of it and did it first. That's what it seems like to me. Of course, that's what's happening. WWE wants to get it out there first because when the company says it, it's official. If they say it first, it's even more official. Sasha Banks and Naomi say it. Uh, they say it first. They are nothing more than dis- disgruntled divas or disgruntled little brats. But I said it from the day that this story broke. There's only one side to the this story. This, there's only one side to the story. And if you watch what happened to Naomi and, and Sasha Banks over the last couple of years there is only one side to the story you, you wwe thinks we're all fucking clueless and stupid there is only one side to the story wwe has no side to the story they claim that sasha banks and naomi walked out and they disappointed the wwe universe because they couldn't deliver upon a match that was announced wwe did the same thing on friday when they announced ronda Rousey and raquel rodriguez in a rematch only to then have the show happen, the match be advertised, and never get to the ring. The match never took place. They ended it in a fucking no contest, and then we get a tag team match. That's not the match that I was advertising, knowing that was happening on SmackDown. I didn't get Ronda Rousey versus Raquel Rodriguez. I got Ronda Rousey and Raquel Rodriguez versus Shayna Baszler and Natalia. No, but WWE wants to claim that Sasha Banks and Naomi are unprofessional. But meanwhile, WWE goes about doing the same fucking thing in a completely different way, ultimately resulting in the same thing that Sasha Banks and Naomi supposedly did. Give me a fucking break. Corey Graves. People got mad at Corey Graves for reading what he was told to say on air. He says this, does Jimmy Smith. What I don't get is all the heat that my broadcast partner Corey Graves got. They gave him something to read, and much like Michael Cole, he toned it down a little bit. But guys, Michael Cole and Corey Graves aren't making this shit up. People are getting mad at them like they're freestyling this stuff. They're not. If Vince said, here, read this, I would have done exactly what Michael Cole did. Corey Graves is getting all this shit. Corey Graves didn't make up that statement. He's a broadcaster and was told to read it, and he read it. So I understand the ire of the fans, but the misdirection of that ire is very weird. I said this on day one. Corey Graves deserves no blame. He read what he read because it came directly in his headset by Vince McMahon. Meanwhile, people are quick to blame Corey Graves because they don't realize how fucking clueless they are, and they don't realize that Vince McMahon, three hours of that entire show, he's in the headset of Byron Saxton, Corey Graves, and Jimmy Smith. Corey Graves does not need the shit that everybody brought down upon him, and he doesn't deserve that in any bit. He said what he said because he's a professional, and he did his job fucking dumbasses yet the e-drones they want to go out there and pretend like they know everything man they don't just by this fact alone they don't know shit now apparently a lot of people think that this is WWE sending a message to the locker room with Sasha Banks and Naomi suspending them stripping them and leaving them without pay while being suspended Dave Meltzer reported in the Wrestling Observer newsletter this week that the reason why Sasha Banks and Naomi's merchandise was pulled was that per people close to the situation, the company wants to send a message to the locker room. It's one pretty hefty fucking message then. Last Friday on SmackDown, you guys know what happened. And this situation will be interesting to watch as it develops. WrestleVote said that it's going to get worse before it gets better. Are they sending a message to the locker room? I don't know. Would I be surprised if it is a message to the locker room? Of course it is. Of course it's a message to the locker room. I would not be surprised that it really is that. But we don't really know for sure. We don't know. I think it is. But that's one really fucking fucked up message to send. Taking your two most popular stars in the company, who pretty much are self-made, because WWE gives them nothing. Sasha Banks is where she is because Sasha Banks is a fucking star. And WWE with Naomi, they're the most two popular superstars in the company. They've gotten themselves over to a point where WWE really can't say that they've hated in that but giving them the platform that they gave them. They got over because of who they are. And fans know that. But is WWE sending a message to the locker room? I won't be surprised. I won't be surprised one bit. Eventually, WWE is going to have to do what they got to do and get them back on television. They can't fucking keep them off television. There's a rumor that WWE may freeze their contracts. You can't freeze their contracts because WWE automatically suspended them the following week. That was WWE's decision. You took them off television. They and them being suspended is completely different than having somebody's contract for They're not out with injury. They're not out with injury. WWE has no basis to freeze their contracts whatsoever. Booker, T's, Booker T on his Hall of Fame podcast disagrees. Of course he does. That WWE has an ax to grind against Sasha Banks and Naomi saying it's just business. He says, if I was someone to walk out on a reality of wrestling show, I would fire them. WWE is not going to fire Sasha Banks and Naomi because WWE doesn't want them to go anywhere else. One of my wrestlers went out there and totally went against the grain one night after I set him up to win. I told him to pack his bags and never want to see him again because that's not how this works. I give you a script and you want to go out there and go off script. This is what happens. You get fired. It's just that simple. If I had someone who was on the card that night and said, man, I ain't doing this. I don't want to do a job tonight. Then get out of here. I don't think anything personal towards Sasha Banks or Naomi you know it's just business a lot of people are commenting on it like it's personal like WWE has an axe to grind against Sasha Banks and Naomi I really don't think that's it Booker T is fucking clueless Booker T is clueless man it's not an axe to grind you you, you what are you fucking kidding me as soon as WWE realized that Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out dropped the titles and said fuck this shit because creative is awful of course it was an axe to grind they walked out Disobeying WWE, the axe was being grinded. They got stripped. They got suspended without pay. Their merchandise got pulled. Of course, it's a fucking axe to grind. Then the smear campaign on everybody uh, in the lock or from everybody in the locker room on Sasha Banks. Of course, there's th- th- of course there's an axe to grind. Another company man that doesn't know what it is to be an honest and true individual to oneself is Booker T. I don't understand how everybody doesn't look at this and doesn't stand with Sasha Banks and Naomi knowing exactly what WWE has done. If they told you, and this is what they told W, this is what they told Sasha Banks, and they, they told them the women's tag team titles are absolutely worthless. That's what they told them. They told them the women's tag team championships, the fucking titles that they wanted to make important and, and special, they told them that they were worthless. Why wouldn't you speak up against that? You wouldn't speak up against that? You want them to just sit there like two little girls, two little good soldiers, and go about whatever WWE wants them to do? No. I'm sorry. If you got a fucking problem in the way your character is being treated, I respect you for speaking up more so against a company that really isn't prone to hearing that type of backlip from anybody. But Booker T says they don't have an ax to grind, and it's business, and if I was them, I'd fire them. Go ahead. Go ahead. You think Naomi and Sasha need WWE? They don't need WWE. WWE needs them. Paul White commented on this. He commented on Sasha Banks and Naomi's walkout. He says, and I quote, Paul White, a big show, by the way. For me to speculate on all of that would just be absurd because I don't know. I haven't talked to Naomi. I haven't talked to Mercedes either. I think every talent fans forget there are keywords used every time there's opportunity and all these different things, but this is still a business. As much as we love and everyone has a passion for this business, it comes down to a lot of times making business decisions. Sometimes a talent believes strongly in something. They have to take that stand. I've never been put in a position where I felt like I had to make that choice. My attitude was always very different in wrestling. I signed a contract. They pay me to do this, whatever they want me to do, whether it's getting knocked out by a mechanical bull, washing my... Uh, Mawashi and having my ass hang out at WrestleMania and having a sumo match that was never a thing for me where I was so worried about my character I call grief for that over the years too I've sold too much of these people or too much for these people I've done too much for these other people everybody's got opinion I've always approached the business and never forgot the golden rule that it's entertainment, it's not real it doesn't matter whatever you do last week, most people won't remember in 3 or 4 weeks if they do remember it and that's a good thing because you made an impact on a fan everyone looks at this business differently they all have their own business choices and opinions I just hope that obviously that Sasha and Naomi find a way to work things out because they're two incredible talents that fans really enjoy seeing the only sad thing out of the whole scenario would be them not being able to entertain the fans that I know that they both are very passionate about and love doing again all you can do is sit back and wait and see what happens Paul White had a good answer Booker T's answer was a fucking nimrod, complete fucking moron answer. And Paul White gave you a solid professional take on the entire situation. Not surprised by that whatsoever, seeing that Booker T is a paid WWE shill and a WWE mark. Ruby Soho, who's in the finals tonight against Britt Baker for the Owen Cup on the women's side. She talked about the Sasha Banks and Naomi walkout as well. She says this, and I quote, I'm a firm believer in everybody's career and everybody's experiences are different, no matter what company you work for, no matter who you are or what level you feel like you're on or what level people portray you to be on. I feel like everybody's experiences are different. I have for a long time considered Sasha Banks and Naomi to be friends of mine. If that in the moment and in their heart of hearts is what they felt like they needed to do, then I can understand them from an outside perspective looking in because you never know with that kind of stuff. You never know what they're experiencing, what their journey is like to a point why they feel like they needed to do what they needed to do. But at the end of the day, you can only just try and see them for who they are as people. And a lot of people are not looking at that. So that is a great point by Ruby. I adore them. So whatever they felt like they needed to do, I understand. Everybody handles things differently. Everybody has different experiences. So until you're in my shoes of that person or in the shoes of that person, You can't always say what you want to do. It's definitely one of those things where I'm glad that they did what was best for them and what they felt like was right at the time. I'm always for people standing up for themselves, regardless of the circumstances. So if that's what they felt like they needed to do, 100%. I adore all my friends. Honestly, those girls in the locker room I have a lifelong friendship with. I will continue to carry that with me in my heart for the rest of my life. Booker T, made to look like a fool by Ruby Soho and Paul White. Guys, we're going to get into the weekly shows. I still appreciate you guys for hanging with me, man. We're two hours in here. Still 2,800 people inside the OTS venue, man. Thank you guys very much for hanging out on tonight's live stream on this Sunday afternoon. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, man. We need 485 likes. For the minimum of 2,000, man, can we get 2,000 likes on today's OTS 432, man? Super chats are in, get them on in. Memberships are open, get them on in, become a VIP right here on Off The Script. We will be live tonight for Double or Nothing right after the show is over, so join us then. I may be live immediately following this podcast as well with Jesse on Twitter Spaces, so make sure you guys look out for that, man. Maybe doing Twitter Spaces, maybe going live directly to Twitter, I don't know yet. So we'll see what happens, but lots to cover this week, man. So enjoy your Sundays, and I'm glad you've made off the scripts your destination tonight. Sponsored by Blue Chew, man. BlueChew.com. Thank you to Blue Chew, as always, for being a great friend of the show. Code JD at checkout. When you go to BlueChew.com, you guys get your free sample. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping and handling. As you guys know, Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you guys can plan ahead and be ready whenever that opportunity arises. Very simple process, guys. Sign up. BlueChew.com is the place. Consult with one of their licensed online medical providers, and once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. I hate waiting in line, by the way. And Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, so they're prepared and shipped direct to your door in a very discreet package, man. You talk about first impressions. Very important. You only get one. But nobody talks about lasting impressions, man. You can make a great first impression and a great lasting impression with Blue Chew. Special deal for everybody today, man. BlueChew.com. Promo code JD. Just pay the $5 shipping and handling. We thank Blue Chew for once again sponsoring today's OTS 432 on off the script. SmackDown. SmackDown was terrible, man. Did you guys watch that SmackDown show? I know I had to because House of Glory had their show on Friday night. I missed SmackDown on Friday, covered it on Saturday. And my God, man, did I regret that. I could not stand anything on SmackDown at all, man. That show was a complete shit show. And nothing on that show stood out to me as important. Ronda Rousey versus Raquel Rodriguez ended in a no contest. Ronda Rousey and Raquel Rodriguez then defeated Shayna Baszler and Natalya in a tag team match that was falsely advertised, but they want to claim Sasha Banks and Naomi are unprofessional. Los Lotharios defeated Jinder Mahal and Shanky. Why this is on Friday night? I don't know. Why Fox is paying for this garbage? I don't know. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn debated on who's a liar and who's a moron on the KO show. Said this on the post show yesterday. Looks like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens will be teaming up at some point to be the next challenge for the Usos. Sami Zayn thinks he's aligned with the bloodline. Kevin Owens is trying to convince him that he's not. They will form form a faction and join forces and take on the Usos for the tag team championships. I think that's great. I'm all for that. Both guys are doing absolutely nothing right now. Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser defeated Ricochet and Gulak. This was another tag team match. Very tag team heavy SmackDown Gunther and Ricochet seemingly are being set up to go one-on-one for the Intercontinental Championship. And the New Day with Drew McIntyre defeated the brawling Brutes, is now their name, Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch. Oh, my God. How many matches? How many weeks? I've lost count. Same shit every week. SmackDown was dreadful. It's almost as if they knew nobody was going to watch And they didn't give you any effort, whatever, whatsoever, on Friday night. Now, the Usos. The Usos winning the Tag Team Championships, to be honest with you guys, was right. But according to sources, and according to Meltzer, this was a last-minute decision. Meltzer talked about this on Wrestling Observer Live. And he noted that having the Usos win the match last week was a last-minute decision. As WWE didn't have a planned decision. Finish? I don't see what the big deal was. Plan finish was the Usos winning the fucking tag team championships. That's what the plan finish was. However you get there, who gives a shit? As long as the Usos win the tag team championships. Instead, WWE only had plans to do the angle after the match where Roman Reigns beat down Randy Orton and Matt Riddle to set up their future matches for the World Heavyweight Championship. That was a way to get out of actually doing a finish. However, WWE felt like they needed to do a finish to unify the titles because they had been pushing it for so long. Meltzer says, you know that was a last-minute decision. Well, I think that was part of it. Advertising it but not delivering it. They had no planned finish. The plan was always the angle at the end. It was never Riddle and Orton winning. It was a way to get out of it. It was probably a DQ for Roman Reigns interfering. I wasn't told that directly. I was told the big thing was the angle. As for what they would do about the finish... They went back and forth, and Vince made the call. Basically, you know what? We've been pushing this for so much time and so long, we might as well do it. It's not like it was some long-term plan, and this was the day that they're going to go back. I mean, literally, there was no plan other than the big angle. The decision itself wasn't made until late Friday. The one thing I did not like about the finish is Roman Reigns interfering. That's the only part I didn't like. But... WWE could have easily given the Usos a clean victory and then still did the post-match attack on Riddle and Randy Orton because Roman Reigns would have been propelled to do so anyway because the prior week, Matt Riddle kneed Roman Reigns in the face and escaped like a fucking coward. So that was the basis for the attack. All you had to do was book the Usos winning over RK-Bro in a very clean fashion, giving them some sense of legitimacy. Everything is a fuck finish with these people. It's like WWE can't book a clean fucking finish. What's the big deal? RK bro is still going to be RKO no matter if they lose to the Usos or not. Give us a clean victory. Establish the Usos as the best tag team in the WWE, which we we know that they are. Give them a clean victory. The post-match attack would have happened regardless if it was a fuck finish or not. Very simple. WWE makes things to be so much more complicated than they really are. Backstage news on Zelina Vega. I just told you before, WWE's planning those four teams for the... (laughs) Those four teams, man. Bruce is a fucking comedian, man. WWE's planning those four women's tag teams for the tag team tournament, supposedly. One of them being Zelina Vega and Carmella that have already broken up twice. But that, that won't be because Zelina Vega is injured. She's been off TV for several weeks and there's no word on her status up until this week. PW Insider reported that Vega disappeared from WWE TV because she's been out with an injury that occurred in the ring and she had to get surgery. It's reporting us that people in the company believe that she will be out for another six to eight weeks, which would put her in line to return sometime around SummerSlam. The positive news coming out of this is that WWE reportedly is looking to push her when she returns. Vega has been praised for being willing to do what she's been asked. And people backstage have noticed the hard work she's put in. Last time Vega wrestled was on the April 11th. 2022 episode of Monday Night Raw, and a loss to Bianca Belair. Prior to that, she teamed with Carmella at WrestleMania 38 and dropped the women's tag team titles to Sasha Banks and Naomi in a Fatal 4 match that included Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley, and Natalya and Shayna Baszler. After returning to the company last July after they fired her husband, Vega was booked to win the first-ever Queen's Crown Tournament, which ended up being a complete fucking embarrassment for WWE. I don't care if Vega is on TV or not. She adds no value to the show. And WWE, you know, pairing her back with Carmella or pairing her in a random tag team or having to listen to that cringe accent of hers as she tries to sound regal because she won the Queen's crown. I could do it all without all that shit, honestly. I could do without all that shit. And Zelina hasn't meant anything to WWE TV unless you go back to the days of Andrade, Cien Almas. That's when she and her value was at an all-time high. That was the best role for her. She hasn't found that same success since. AEW Dynamite. We got a great face-to-face with Adam Page and CM Punk. Excellent promos from both guys, especially Page. I thought that was of the best promos that Hangman Page has ever cut. I loved it. I thought it was great intensity, and it really sold the match tonight for Double or Nothing. FTR and Rapongi Vice ended in a DQ because Jeff Cobb and Great Khan interfered and we got a potential Forbidden Door tease, so we may be getting the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship match at Forbidden Door with between Rapungi Vice FTR and the United Empire. Samoa Joe defeated Kyle O'Reilly in the semifinal of the Owen Cup. Britt Baker defeated Tony Storm. It's fucking hot in here. Britt Baker defeated Tony Storm in the final of the win, or the semifinal of the Women Owen Owen Hart Cup. Uh, steel Cage match: Wardlow versus Sean Spears. Uh, special guest referee was MJF. I thought they did a great job in getting Wardlow over in that match. Minus a couple of logical hiccups there. I thought it was a great steel cage match. Uh, Swerve, Strickland defeated Ricky Starks and Jungle Boy in a three-way dance to give you a little preview of what's to come tonight in the tag team title match. Three-way dance. And John Moxley, Eddie Kingston defeated Private Party, and that was to sell the anarchy in the arena match between Blackpool Combat Club and the Jericho Appreciation Society. Dynamite's ratings up 929,000 viewers, up from 922,000 live viewers. Uh, this was uh, the rating this week, the 922,000 live viewers of the show uh, last week, 18 to 49 demo. The show did a 0.35 rating, which is up from the 0.33 the show did last week. Dynamite continues to thrive pretty well in the... Face of competition with the NBA playoffs, which Tony Khan is going to be competing with again tonight with the Celtics and the Miami Heat, Game 7. And there's a reason to his madness, which we will talk about on either the live stream on Twitter with Jesse, Double or Nothing preview predictions, or we will definitely talk about it later tonight on the official Double or Nothing post-show. Dynamite ranked number six in the Cable Top 150 shows on cable for the night. That was up from number seven. Dynamite was a very good show. On Wednesday night, flowed much better than the week before. Some scary news here coming out of AEW, man. Tay Conti and Sammy Guevara. I I know that they are the center of attention, and and some people take it to the extreme because of their relationship. These fucking stands and these geeks out there, these fucking no-life wrestling geeks who don't even know what a woman looks like think that they have a a shot with Tay Conti. Give me a break. AEW star Tay Conti. Posted screenshots on Twitter from somebody who is making threats to her and Sammy Guevara. Conti said this person has been writing her every day since January. Look at this fucking tweet she put out there, man. Look at this shit. Look at this fucking creep. She says this, and I quote, this is absurd. His name is Dustin Dolzal, and he's been threatening Sammy and I since January. He writes us every single day. And apparently he's planning to do something with us in June. I'm taking legal, legally precautions, but if something happens to us, y'all know who to look for. Now, she posted this to bring awareness to this, obviously. I, I think these fans are fucking ridiculous. Don't know why they take it to such extremes. I don't know why any of this is done. Conti included his name, his username some screenshot text uh, shots from social media, some DMs, some private messages, along with a photo of this person making threats. I don't understand it. A fucking clown. Bro, Dustin Dolezal. Bro, listen, I said this about the Alexa Bliss fucking creep who was on social media. She's not gonna fuck you, bro. She's not gonna fuck you. I'm sorry. Tay Conti is not interested in your fucking crater face, fucking disgusting Disgusting fucking being, man. Go away. Go find your own woman, man. You, you look like you live in the fucking depths of, uh, of Arkansas. I'm sure there's some fucking 600-pound slob ready to fucking uh, have you as her next meal. Seriously, go and go find your own woman. Leave Taikanti and Sammy Guevara alone. She's not going to fuck you. That's what she's got Sammy for. Killer cross. Killer cross, man. Killer Cross was in the news, formerly Karrion Cross. I miss Killer Cross. He was another name pitched to do the match with Wardlow, according to Fightful Select, but ended up doing something with William Morrissey instead. The report states from Fightful that the two sides couldn't come to terms on the appearance and decided against it. Khan previously said that the post Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor media scrum uh, during that, he said he enjoyed Cross and Scarlett's work and he was open to doing. Something with them in the future. Shortly after the show, Cross was approached by AEW and the plans for the May 4th Dynamite were mentioned. Once the date got closer, according to sources, uh, the talks with Cross fell apart. Cross was supposed to be the sacrificial lamb for Wardlow, which would have looked great, right? William Marcy did a great job. He looked great as well. And it got him some mainstream exposure working on Impact. But Cross and the plans fell apart when Cross learned that his wife Scarlett would not be a part of the presentation, and he was concerned that his introduction to AEW and the audience would mimic that of his main roster WWE debut, where she wasn't the manager, even though everybody saw him on NXT with Scarlett, and they had the same theme music in which Scarlett sung, only to not see Scarlett a part of the act. Scarlett led Killer Cross or Karrion Cross. To the NXT Championship twice, and she wasn't a part of the act on the main roster. AEW and Cross are said to be on good terms, and there's a possibility that they'll do business in the future. Following his WWE release last year, Cross has yet to sign with a top promotion, but has been working independent dates alongside Triple A. Cross and Scarlett recently got married in Alaska. I get it. I mean, this is this is a no brainer. I mean, you you learn from your mistakes in WWE. You learned. Your mistakes in WWE, you know what not to do based on your last prior experience. You learned what the fans obviously wanted to see from you. Why would you go and do that again and make the same mistake twice? I mean, I don't even need to say anything else but that. Cross is a smart guy. If Scarlett is not involved, then Scarlett and Cross, you're not going to get them. They are a a tandem pairing. If you're going to get Cross, you have to pay for Scarlett. If you're going to pay for Scarlett, you're going to get Carrion Cross, Killer Cross. It's... Common sense. And I I understand. Cross may have aspirations of maybe one day doing work with AEW. Why would he come in without Scarlett, and then the next time you see Scarlett? If you're going to get Cross on AEW television, he needs to be there with his wife, period. And it fell apart because of that very reason. Now, it could have fell apart because Tony Khan just wanted Cross, and he didn't really understand the importance of Scarlett to Cross's act, but maybe he didn't want to pay Maybe he didn't want to pay. Maybe he just wanted to pay for Cross because it was a one-time deal and he didn't want to pay for Scarlett to come on in for the one-time appearance. But he could have if he wanted to. He just didn't want to. But Cross said, you know what? Maybe we'll do business another time. I like, got no problem with you. I just really feel like we need Scarlett in this. So if you want me, you're going to have to bring my wife in too because I don't want to make the same mistakes that I did in WWE or that they made with me. That wasn't his decision. They made that decision. They took Scarlett away from his act, which killed the entire fucking act. So he doesn't want to make that same mistake twice, which I completely... Completely understand. So good for him for standing his ground. Moving on, man. NXT. NXT. Let's blow through this because I don't really want to sit here and talk about NXT. Uh, Channing Stacks, Lorenzo, and Troy Two Dimes, Donovan, defeated Malik, Blade, and Idris, and Ofe. Uh, Stacks and Two Dimes, they are part of Tony D'Angelo's new stable. Sanga defeated Wes Lee. Alba Fire defeated Electra Lopez as Electra Lopez is feuding with Jade, Roxanne Perez defeated the absolutely horrendous in every way possible Lash Legend in the Women's Breakout Tournament semifinal match. Mandy Rose defeated Indy Hartwell. Tiffany Stratton defeated Fallon Henley in the Women's Breakout Tournament. Tiffany Stratton took the place of Nikita Lyons, who tore her MCL. She is legitimately injured. Von Wagner put the lotion in the baskets. Von Wagner, Buffalo Bill. Defeated uh, Iekam and Jiro. <laughs> Iekam Jiro. Jesus fucking Christ, man! Looking at this card. How anybody watches NXT? I don't know. I don't know. Duke Hudson defeated Braun Breaker via disqualification because Braun Breaker took a steel chair and beat Duke Hudson with the steel chair, not knowing that he would get disqualified with said steel chair, all to sell his anger problems for their upcoming match or his upcoming match with Joe Gacy for the NXT title at NXT in your house. On June fifth or June fourth, one of those days. Who gives a shit? I'm not covering it. I'm not cover. I'll be in Atlantic City getting drunk. So fuck NXT. Too many women's matches on this show, man. Too many women's matches on this show. You want to know why the ratings drew 551,000 live viewers down from 601 the week before? Too many women's matches. Give me a break, man. Nobody wants to see these fucking half-assed, fucking green as grass women. On, and it's not like we got Bailey and EO and fucking uh, Bianca and Rhea and Shayna of the old NXT. Ember Moon and Shotzi Black are the old NXT. We got Electra Lopez and Lash Legend and Indy Hartwell and Fallon Henley. And too many women's matches. Way too many women's matches, man. We got to tone that shit down. That's what we got NXT level up for. Fuck, we getting all these women's matches for when we got NXT level up. Put them on that show. Ratings dropped this week for NXT. 0.13 rating in the 18 to 49 demo. Showed it a 0.14 one week ago. Number 43 in the cable top, 150. Down from number 30. Like I said, Nikita Lyons, partial tear of her MCL. Lyons showed off her brace on her leg, or her brace on her leg, on social media. And said that she started doing rehab. During the video, she expressed optimism about returning to the ring. She added that when she does come back, uh, she will not be out long because she does not need surgery. Lyons said that her goal is to return uh, and be better than ever, better than she was before. Lyons is considering uh, or is being considered a rising star in WWE, especially on NXT. And many believe that she has what it takes to make it to the main roster at some point. I wonder why. All you got to do is take a look at her. She's perfectly tailor-made for the main roster. And it has nothing to do with her in-ring ability. We got a vignette on NXT. Somebody new is debuting. Apparently, he may be somebody that we are very familiar with, getting repackaged with a new name and a new gimmick. The vignette included a shot of Venice, Italy, and his name is Giovanni Vinci. Now, shots of a well-dressed man, focus on his fashion was the primary thing about this vignette. His face was never shown, so it's supposed to be a mystery, but there's a lot of speculation That this actually is Fabian Eichner. They repackaged Fabian Eichner as Giovanni Vinci. And he's going to be the new upcoming talent on NXT in these new vignettes. I don't know. Eichner was born in Italy. There's been talk of dropping the Imperium aspects of his gimmick. I don't know why they just didn't call him up to be a part of Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser. I don't understand that logic, but apparently they wanted to keep him in NXT This would be the latest out of many gimmick-slash-name changes in recent months. Several weeks ago, Vince McMahon made a rule to the change that names of wrestlers who are using their real names are not going to be allowed, or names that they've used on the independent scene, not to be allowed, as Vince McMahon wants to have full ownership over everybody and their likeness and name. So Fabian Eichner, folks, we may be seeing Fabian Eichner as Giovanni Vinci. Maybe he gets a line with Tony D. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Monday Night Raw. Riddle and the Street Profits defeated the Usos and Sami Zayn. Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley defeated AJ Styles and Liv Morgan in a mixed tag team match. Veer Mahan threatened Jerry the King Lawler on King's Court. Mysterios came out to save the King in one of the most boring and lame segments on Monday Night Raw all year. Alexa Bliss defeated Nikki Trash. Cody Rose defeated The Miz via disqualification because Seth Rollins, selling the aspect of Hell in a Cell, that match with The Miz was fucking bad. Miz is awful, man. My God. Ezekiel versus uh, Chad Gable. That went to Ezekiel. MVP MVP defeated Bobby Lashley by countout to win the right to choose the stipulation at Hell in a Cell. Oh, great. I can't wait. And Becky Lynch defeated Asuka for all the fucking geeks and the e-drones that wanted to cry to me that Becky Lynch loves the division and is for the division. She put over Asuka one week ago only to erase that this week with her fucking puffy shirt. That made Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld look like a fucking disgrace. Honestly. Becky Lynch is so uncool, man. It is so fucking unfunny. Cringe to the max. Is Becky Lynch somebody that took away an opportunity from Oscar only to take that right back this week? Or give Oscar an opportunity only to take it back this week. Great. Becky Lynch loves that division so much, man. I can't wait for Becky to put over everybody in the division. Monday Night Raw ratings lower than they were last week. million viewers compared to 1.736 last week. 18 to 49 demo was a 0.41 down from the 0.45. Monday Night Raw was up against the NBA and NHL playoffs. Boo-hoo-hoo. So is everybody else. Can't be doing too bad against the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs if they're right in the uh, hot zone for where they usually are on a normal Monday. 1.7 is their normal. How much is the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs affecting Monday Night Raw? Barely anything. And finally, guys, because I'm fucking dying in here, man, even with the fucking window open. WWE Raw star is back to using his old gimmick and theme music. At a house show on Saturday night, Robert Rude, Bobby Rude, surprised fans when he reverted back to his old glorious gimmick. Rude even got the full glorious entrance with the theme music, as he did in NXT. This may be a temporary thing until Dolph Ziggler returns but it's worth noting that Rude seems to be more over with the glorious gimmick. No shit. If Vince McMahon notices then perhaps he will be allowed to use it on the main roster. Rude is also uh, or was briefly used on the mic in March. Or he actually he used the music I should say in March during his return to NXT. He did wrestle on NXT at least once during that Dolph Ziggler NXT World Championship title run. Under the glorious gimmick Bobby Rude became one of the most popular wrestlers not only in NXT, but in WWE, and he was booked to win the NXT championship under Triple H in the black and gold, one of the best heel gimmicks in all the company at the time. The gimmick was watered down when he got moved to SmackDown in 2017. WWE needs bodies. WWE needs gimmicks that we can really be invested in. Why not bring Bobby Roode back to being glorious with the old gimmick and the old theme music and let him go after the Intercontinental title? That's what I would do. He fits perfect on SmackDown. Put him on SmackDown. What the fuck are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Absolutely great pro wrestlers, Bobby Roode. And you're you're keeping him hidden. Why? Who watches these house shows? You think Vince is seeing what he's doing on the house shows? Vince doesn't give a fuck about the house shows. Get Bobby Roode on television and give us glorious Bobby Roode. I got people texting me, man. I don't know what's going on. Let's read these texts. I got one from Issa. I got one from Jesse. What's going on? Let's see. AEW just posted this on their YouTube channel. W-W- uh, AEW, they deleted the video. So just like the tweet, just like the tweet that you see here, AEW has now deleted the video on YouTube. I don't know what that means, man. That's coming from Isa, the demon N Y C demon diva. Thank you, Isa. We got uh, Jesse. What is he saying? Jesse is sending me something. The Rock's daughter gets new ring name. I wonder what that is, man. Like, Simone Johnson wasn't good enough, right? Simone Johnson is now going to be known as... Uh, what the fuck is her name? He's not at the arena. Issa says that he is not at the arena. Simone Johnson joined WWE. Uh, she is said to be the first fourth-generation superstar in WWE history. At the time of her signing, Johnson said she's grateful to have the opportunity to carry her family's legacy. Ava Rain. That is her new name. Simone Johnson is now Ava Rain. Great. Who cares? Who cares about Simone Johnson, man? Anyway, guys, my God, man. This is supposed to be this hot New York City to this weekend, man. I'm fucking dying in here, man. We got some Super Chats to go over, man. Get those Super Chats in. Issa just said MJF is not at the arena. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, man. MJF is fucking things up, man. MJF is playing with fucking fire right now, man. MJF is playing with fucking fire. You don't want to do that. I said all that I had to say, man. I said all that I had to say. Anyway, guys, we are nearing almost three hours here today, man. Thank you so much for... Almost 3,400 people inside the OTS venue for this tremendous episode of 432. Make sure you guys follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. We'll be live with some preview predictions this afternoon. After I hose myself down with Jesse. Whether it's on Twitter, whether it's a video, or just spaces. I'll be there. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, man. We need uh, a little bit more than 300. Can we get 2,000 likes? If you guys are in the live stream and have not hit the thumbs up, man, hit that thumbs up. Also, get those Super Jets in. We got eight new members today, man. Holy shit. Eight new members today in the VIP club, man. And go out and hit that subscribe button. Like I said, I will be live tonight for AEW Double or Nothing Live on Off The Scripts. Joey Augustino with a 4 dollars Super Chat. He leaves no message. Thank you, Joey. Bobby Trizzle with a $2 Super Chat. Wardlow should hit MJF with the future endeavored. If I know anything, man, I know that they're very good friends. So I don't know why MJF would do that to Wardlow. Definitely got a lot of people tuning into the pay per view tonight, man. Definitely got a lot of people. Mr. Premium 2002 with a 1999 Super Chat. I'll catch up on the podcast a little bit later, but I was there in person at the Fan Fest, and some people were saying that MJF was gambling in the casino at the hotel and didn't want to show up. People were upset. I laughed. I would have been right there with you laughing, Premium. But I think it's fucked up. If it is legit, which I do think it is, I think it's fucked up. You don't don't play with people's money, man especially on this Memorial Day holiday where people are giving up their vacations and their time to spend time with family during this holiday to come see you and embrace you, man. Not good. Not a good look. Brolio Martinez with a $5 super chat, sitting back enjoying some Jack and Coke on the rocks and listening to the absolute undisputed goat the father of logic himself, J.D. Cheers to you, man. Cheers to you, brother. Thank you so much, man. Gary, the new man. With a $20 Super Chat. From a business standpoint, it's stupid on MJF's side. If you want more money, that's fine. But why would you give up your leverage? Right now, it's a bidding war. But if you burn bridges with AEW, then you're screwed. He's not screwed. You'd think WWE gives a fuck about burning bridges with AEW because of MJF walking out on them. They would be absolutely over the moon if that had MJF in their grasp. Man, they would absolutely throw any amount of money at MJF for him to come over, man. MJ didn't burn any bridges. He knows that. WWE is going to pick him up and sign him no matter what he did. He didn't burn any bridges, man. He may burn bridges with AEW, but WWE doesn't give a fuck. They're looking at this with fucking their their palms all sweaty, man, ready to make a move. WWE doesn't give a shit about trust, man. Jacob S, thank you for the new membership. Eric Newton with a $5 super chat. Your Don shirt is the best one today. Just ordered mine. As an MJF fan, I don't know what to think. If it's a work, he got me good. If it's a work, bro, he got us all good. He got us all good, man. Chris Hollywood with a new membership. Thank you, brother. What are you drinking? Nathan Hexham with a four-month membership. Thank you, brother. Four months in the VIP club. To be honest, I think it's a work, but not one approved by TK. It's his character and plays to his ego. We'll be at Double or Nothing excited for the show. Enjoy yourself, man. Should be a fucking monumental evening. Will check with a one ninety nine super chat. Work. MJF isn't screwing over Wardlow's big moment. I hope you're right, Will check. Rick Alba with a new membership. Thank you so much, brother. What are you drinking today in the OTS venue? World of Wrestling with a five dollar super chat. This is a shoot. I hope MJF left because of family issues. If not, he's unprofessional. By the way, Nick Thanos has a nice ring to it. LOL. That's exactly what he is, man. Thanos. I hope it's a family issue, too. Again, you don't fuck with the fans, especially on this type of holiday, man. Captain Solo with a $5 super chat. Appreciate all that you do. All the hours of entertainment. OTS for life. Thank you, Captain Solo. I appreciate you being here, brother. Carl Peterson with a two-month membership. Thank you so much, man. Randy B with a two-month membership. He says JD can't understand what MGF has to be upset about. He's been putting some of the best positions on AEW television. TK always speaks so well of him, I don't get it. Randy B, like I said, it's all about ego, bro. It's not about money. It's not about creative. It's his ego. He can't let it he can't let it go that all these WWE guys are coming on here. He thinks they're stealing his thunder. They're not. They're not. He's got some fucking complex about himself, man. I don't get it. Maybe he wants to get fired. I don't know. Bradley Robinette with the 199 Super Jab. What does Ric Flair's take on him wrestling again? What does Ric Flair's take on him wrestling again? Ric Flair wants to be in the ring, man. He says he's, anytime he could find the spotlight, he's gonna fucking be a mark for himself. He's gonna take it. He wants to be over. He wants to be in the spotlight, man. Even at fucking 74 years old. Eric Newton with two $5 super chats. Thank you, Eric Newton. I'm a big MJF fan, but I'm very disappointed in him if this is not a work. He's the reason I got into AEW, trying not to overreact to this. Is it possible MJF is waiting to see what the new TV deal AEW gets and waiting for the TV deal, or is just, or is just a waste of a question? I would think that Tony Khan may be waiting. I don't think Tony Khan really needs to wait for the TV deals if he wants to give MJF the money that he wants to give MJF. He can give MJF whatever amount of money he wants. But I do think that I do think that Tony Khan realistically, he's got MJF under two years till 2024. He's probably gonna wait till the TV rights deals come up, negotiate for more money, and give MJF even more money. That's what I think the the whole the whole holdup is, especially if you're Tony Khan like we got you we want you we want to pay you let me wait till the tv rights deals are up let us get some more money on the back end from turner and then we'll give you whatever you want mjf apparently does not want to be there his his ego is bigger than we anticipated. johnny angel with the 199 super jack should referees be put in the hall of fame absolutely absolutely no doubt about it. They are one of the most pivotal parts of the entire show. Don't know why you would not put somebody like Earl Hebner or Charles Robinson or Mike Chioda in the Hall of Fame. I don't really understand that logic. WWE may not think it, but I think they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. DJ South becomes a new member. Thank you, DJ South. What are you drinking tonight, brother? Colby Hampton with a five dollar super chat. Sasha and Naomi need to tell their sides of the documentary. Or some media sit down secretly or openly exposing WWE mistreatment of talent, fans, and contract. Let me tell you something, men. If Sasha and Naomi are out there and free from WWE, in some way, shape, or form, I will be getting an interview on this channel with people. People close to the situation. I hope. If they want. If they allow me to interview them. Literally off the script. Shoval Television. Two-month membership. Thank you, brother. Hopefully you are well, man. The way WWLA laying their shows out are unbearable. For example, Ronda and Raquel match took me back to Vince's no commercials rule during matches. Check email. I will check that afterwards, brother. Thank you so much. And thank you for becoming a two-month member, man. Money Senpai becomes a member, man. Thank you so much, Money. What are you drinking tonight? Colby Hampton with a five-dollar super chat. WWE needs to be taken to court for contracts and how they treat talent. But by former or current relevant stars, that only way—that's the only way things change. You want to go to law? You want to go to court with Jerry McDivitt? You're asking for a death wish there, man. I don't know. Hooligram, I don't know if it's going to be Mercedes on the show, but... I will definitely try to get somebody who is very close to Mercedes. Friend. Colleague. High school fucking crush. Somebody. Maybe I'll get Mikaze on the show. Maybe I'll get her husband on the show. No. Uh, mixed wagon, thank you for the membership, man. Thank you so much. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, Gary, the new man, with a 5 dollar super chat. Considering MJF and Cody are best friends, the ego thing makes a lot of sense. It's the ego, man. It is ego. It's not about money. It's not about creative. It's about ego. Uh DB with a 5 dollar super chat. Does MJF not know what he's in for? If he goes to WWE, he should ex-Sasha and Naomi. How that's working out over there. Vince will have him dancing with Shanky. I don't know, man. I laid it out pretty, uh, pretty bluntly here on OTS. Randy B with a $5 super chat. It's messed up what MJF is doing to TK. TK has done nothing but show him and shower him with praise. This was supposed to be Wardlow's big moment, and he made it all about him. It's exactly what he did, man. Wardlow is letting a lot of people down. Letting a lot of people down. WWE let Sasha Banks and Naomi and the women's division down. Completely different situation. It's not the same thing at all. At all. Not even close. Patrician Sapphire with a $10 super chat. I hope MJF calms down and gets his priorities straight. Also, I think you missed my super chat on yesterday's SmackDown Rampage review. Let me check it, brother. I got it pulled up here. Uh, yes, I did, man. I'm sorry, brother. We'll read it right now, man. Uh, thank you for the 10 and the 10 yesterday, man. Uh, I hope MJF gets his priorities down because he's... He made it all about himself, and tonight is not about MJF, man. Tonight was going to be about MJF at least for a little bit, but there's so many talents on that show that are looking to make this a great show. He made it all about himself now. And Magician Sapphire said yesterday the TNT title not being defended on Double or Nothing is a crime. Scorpio Sky can be a good champion, but Sammy G and the feud is hurting the title prestige. Blow it off at Double or Nothing and have Sky feud with Dante Martin. I mean, I don't even think Dante Martin's ready for that yet, man. Uh, Scorpio Sky should have a a lengthy reign. And I I could see Dante Martin challenging for that over time, but not yet. I hope Scorpio Sky does good with that championship. They made him a custom title. I would assume he's going to hold it for a long time. And Linda Carter with a $5 Super Chat. I'm pulling for Soho to win tonight and get her first championship soon. It sucks that she had to go to another company just to do so. I think Ruby Soho had the match of the fucking tournament, man. The women's tournament with uh, Chris Statlander on Friday's Rampage. Guys, thank you so much, man. You guys absolutely killed it today, man. 3,400 people live today. Shows the power off the script on a Sunday afternoon Memorial Day weekend. We'll be live again in, a, in an hour or so doing uh, spaces on Twitter. And then I'll be live again tonight after hopefully a small nap with Double or Nothing. We will be live in the post show, man. I hope everybody that's—we got still 2,100 people in the venue, man. Hopefully all you guys are coming over to party tonight, even though it's going to be late. Venue's going to be rocking and rolling. I'm expecting at least five lodge in the venue. Should be great. Number one live stream, all IWC, all tonight for AEW. We're going to kill it, man. I may or may not be with Jesse. E, uh, Issa, I will see you later. Uh, thank you very much to everybody. Hit that thumbs up. 2,000 likes is the goal. Thank you for all the super chats. Thank you to the eight new members and the new re-ups. I appreciate you all. Go check Blue Chew out. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Follow me on Twitter if you guys are going to join the spaces or anything live on Twitter. At JD from NY206. And I need those two things I ask of you guys every stream, man. I need those guitar emojis. My VIPs, those Mustang emojis, and I need that fucking music on Max. Guys, I'll see you later tonight, man. Double nothing Sunday night. I'll be live on OTS right here in the OTS venue. I'll see you guys later.